oh, this is easy. We take up, we go to our favorite French restaurant, we take the baby, and everyone goes, ooh, the baby, and we eat our It's episode 260 of Texting. What's up, Jason? I'm good. I, <laughs> that's a little sh- little more abrupt intro than I was expecting. <laughs> I wanted to throw you a curveball, see how you'd handle it. Well, it's a little early, so I'm not going to handle it well. How are you feeling? You're normally not a morning person. Well, I've been up since 7, so it's uh, it's Sunday at uh, 9 a.m. here in Pasadena. Why are you up at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning? I guess I'm just getting ready for, uh, you know, getting used to getting up early for the, the new no, you're not. That is, <laughs> why, why are you really up at seven o'clock? We've been getting up early every day. We have definitely. His, I think we're in preparation for for a baby. The, I guess the other thing is is that um, our cat just for whatever reason has started really bugging us early in the morning these okay, days. Okay, there's the real reason. Yeah, <laughs> we're preparing for the baby two and a half months. So do, you, do yourself a favor, get as much sleep as you can <laughs> before yeah. the baby's born, because you're not going to have that option. Tell you what, yeah. Well, you know what? It really depends. I've had friends who've had been really lucky, and and they've had babies that have slept really well through the night. And you know, you never know what you're going to get. Mm. So, uh, well, we got back from um, uh, Disneyland a couple of days ago, and I just like to point out a couple of things. One, it is unbelievable how people have adapted to these long lines. I remember when I was a kid going to Six Flags in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And like a 45-minute line was like outrageous. Like that was the huge new attraction and like you might have to wait for 45 minutes and it was a nightmare, right? Um, we get there and we get there pretty early and it's during the weekday and so we figure we'll be all right. We wait an hour and 40 minutes oh for God. the Cars ride, you know? The new, like, you know, the, t- you know, the um, movie Cars mm-hmm. based on that. So... After that, after I told Saint, I said, "That's I, I'm not doing any more rides this long. I mean, we got to figure out a different thing because this is a nightmare. And because you know what you can do is if you, I'm not exactly sure what the the, the what the mechanics are exactly, but you can get a fast pass for a ride, one ride at a time. I don't know if it's once a day or twice a day, but then you can go in the short line, which might be 15, 20 minutes as opposed to an hour and a half, right? So you obviously want to hack the system and get the fast pass, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the thing that our girls really wanted to do was uh, go to the Frozen. I don't know if that was Frozen. It wasn't a ride. It was something to do with the the, the, um, the movie Frozen, mm-hmm. the Disney movie. And my girls are obsessed with Elsa yeah. and Emma and all that stuff. Elsa and Anna, I guess. And um, so, so she's Sandy said, "Look, I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should try and get there tomorrow early because some friends of mine have told me that it's actually like a three hour. It can, it can be as bad as a three hour wait." Look, a three-hour wait, that is absolutely insane, right? Yeah. So we get there at like 8.20 in the morning, right after it opens. There's already, we, I mean, there's no, hardly anyone there. It's already a three-hour wait. And so, you could actually, we split up. I take Colby over to the price. I said, Colby, you and I, we're going to go over to like the, you know, Space Mountain or something. And, you know, Sando get in line with the girls and we'll sort something out. We'll figure out what the lay of the land is. And and then the the the, the girl who was sort of running the line kind of walked to the back and she said, "Just you know, it's a three hour wait." And and uh, Sandy's like, "Well, what?" She's like, "We just got you know, it's for the market just opened." She's like, "Does it get any better than this?" She's like, "Actually, this is about as good as it gets. Sometimes it becomes a five hour line." Yeah. 
<laughs> That's crazy. And you know what? It, you know what it is? All this. You take a picture with Anna and Elsa. Your girls will sit there and take a picture with Anna and Elsa in there. And, and that's like, it. That is it. I mean, we've talked to a couple. I, I think we ran into people. I can't remember if we heard them over talking in line or talked or were just talking to them in line somewhere. And they're like, yeah, you know, we, we didn't realize, realize that's all it was. But what do, the, what do the girls think? I mean, how do they cope with a three-hour wait? Well, that would be a nightmare for them, right? I mean, little kids do not do. So what did you do? We actually had, we just didn't do the frozen thing. And we actually, since we got there early the next day, we were really lucky that we did you know, a whole bunch of those rides. You know, it was like five, 10 minute, minute, you know, wait. And we did a bunch of that. So we got real lucky, did a lot of, we did a ton of stuff. And then um, late in the afternoon, we took a break. And as it turned out, our hotel, which was just two blocks away, was this Howard Johnson's hotel. And it had its own water park with water slides and water cannons. What, now where, so, so you went to Orlando, did you? No, no. Oh, Disneyland's just down. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. So, so, but you went to stay in a hotel, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going. You didn't go for a day trip. I see. Okay. Yeah. So you know, you get up early and you're going to be back late. But anyway, so later in the day, get four, four, four. I think it was like four o'clock, and you know, you're getting, it's really getting hot, and kids are getting tired, and you're we're getting tired, and so we go back to the hotel and let the kids swim for a few hours. But it turns out, like the water park at the Howard Johnson's was more fun than Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they could just. Tons of kids there just going nuts with water cannons and water slides and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then after the sun went down, we went back for the last few hours and the whole, you know, the evening thing and the... Where and they the, have the parade? Uh, we saw that earlier the, the previous day, but they had the, the, the fireworks. Yeah. And we yeah. got real lucky. We got right in the perfect position. So Sandy really hacked the whole thing perfectly. Nice. Um, so we only did one bad line after that. But it was funny, later in, that, in the afternoon before we took a break, so like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock... The whole era where the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, where we waited for, I don't know, five minutes, it was like an hour and a half wait. I mean, there were so many people, it was it was just hard to fathom. There was now, a- I thought you didn't go on rides. You know, last year we went to um, San Diego. I, I guess I just went on one of, one of these spinning rides that was just too much, and it just set my stomach off. But, you know, I, that was the first time it happened to me. Did you go? So, did you personally go on Space Mountain this time? Space Mountain was closed. That was the only one we couldn't do. But and I did a you know whatever a bunch of. Oh them. yeah, so, so Space Mountain's kind of the only roller coastery type ride. Mm-hmm. No, there are, there there, are there's more. another one. Oh did yeah, you, did you go bunch. on them? Oh yeah, there's there was a bunch. We went. On, I mean, we didn't go on like a giant one because the kids were a little aren't quite yeah brave enough for that what yet. Was the, what was the scariest one that you went on? <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe the. I mean, none of them were really that scary. Rocky Mountain roller coasters. I mean, I don't know. It, yeah. it wasn't that bad, but. Um, you know, uh, what was I going to say about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, when you do these things, you really want to hack it just the right way, because if you don't, it can be miserable. I remember when Guyon and his family came and visited a couple summers ago, and they was during the summer, I, you know, everyone's off, they went down the middle of the day, I don't think they had, like, they didn't have a hack to the system, I don't think they knew about fast passes, they didn't get there really early, and it was after two or three rides, I think the kids were ready to come home. Well, the funny thing is, we, we kind of, we, uh, uh, Sarah and Shane came over with Jude, who was and um they they were talking about going to disneyland and we said look why don't you just go to Knott'sbury farm like that place is yeah. cool you know there's there's loads of things there and it's much you know the queues are much shorter and they went there and they had an amazing time they really liked that yeah we like to go to the one down on the, on the santa monica pier oh yeah because yeah. you know you have a five ten minute r- wait and you have you know a dozen rides and it's way cheaper and then you can go to the ocean and then it gets late in the afternoon you're like all right let's go swimming in the ocean now but um but yeah, I th- I th- anyway. when you first brought the topic up, I thought you were going to say something like, people have really adjusted to queues. They now do these various activities in the queues. No, I just mean that people, literally, it's amazing what human, the human the human society will adapt to. Oh, okay. Like, they will literally right. say, it's okay to stay in line for three hours. 
Yeah. And I'm just saying, I'm like, this is not okay. I don't, I don't know how people, you know, and I, what I was saying is like the reasonable man adapts himself to the world around him. The unreasonable man ad- attempts to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like people queuing overnight for iPhones, all that kind of stuff. That's what I tell Sandy. I said, you've, uh, I said, you, you know, you've, uh, you have married the unreasonable man. I just refuse to put up with stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not doing this. We have to find a way around this. Hmm. This is a nightmare. I just, uh, anyway, but, uh, like I said, it worked out for us because Sadie had, she hacked it so well, but, uh, that was last week. So off to the good start for the summer. Yeah. I'm really getting into the summer mode. I'm like, Oh yeah. Shedding projects, shedding responsibilities, getting down to live life like more, more like a normal person. Well, Lance had said to me um, that he'd listened to the last few shows, and he thought that the, sh- the, the not the last show, but the few shows before, you sounded really down, he thought. But he said, last show, you sounded much more sprightly. I, well, I probably was. <laughs> I was pretty beaten down, I think. I think the, the iPhone project and, the, and the, you know, and was one in particular because it just bled on so long right, on right. top of all the other things I had to do, and I was just getting burned out. So, you know, I think I've dropped, I think I'm five... You know, responsibilities lighter. Math team's over. Catalyst is over. Uh, Any foo, mighty hive, the iPhone project. That's five things off my plate. Nice. I mean, I still only have. I still have three or four. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's that just goes from, you know, I mean, three or four is crazy. But uh, you know, what I was doing before was just out of control. So let's hear. Let's hear uh, an update on Disco. Making progress this week. Yeah. Um. So I've been w- working on this uh, this form, which uh, is basically used to create the create a campaign. So um, and that's going pretty well. And just sent it to uh, Joanna and Lance, and they're go- they're going through it and they're showing it to people and coming back with changes. It's very it's interesting working with them. It's it's very um, iterative in uh, in a kind of conversion and verbiage type of way. Right, because that's their focus. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, normally I'd be just like, oh, yeah, yeah, just just get this out, you know, shove this out. Right. But they're very, like, they pay a lot of attention to detail. Well, you know, everything that I sent to them, they're like, well, we showed it to these five people, and, like, three people came back with this, and two people came back with this, so we think we need to kind of move it in this direction. So it's interesting. So by the time time it it goes out, it's probably going to be like this, you know, 95% converting amazing thing. So they really make decisions on only a sample size of five, or are you just using uh, well, that as an example? I'm just using that as an example, but okay. uh, I mean, I think, I think they, yeah, I mean, I think that they do show it to people and they see what the people think about it, and like, if people are thoroughly confused, if if like more than two people are thoroughly confused by something, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Then they're like, okay, we need to hone this. Okay, yeah. well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah. generally speaking, statistics you want a sample size of, yeah, I don't know, ballpark minimum ten. If you're making a purely statistical decision, I mean, um, well, these, I mean, it depends. It's I mean, more about like whether people get it. You know, do, do, are people like completely confused about what this is? Right. I mean, I guess if you were showing, if you showed a handful of people and, and they all were confused, you'd be like, I don't need twenty more people to tell me. No, this. exactly. I yeah. can see why they're confused, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. you know, okay, well, that makes sense. So. I mean, are you making? How, so, what are you working on? Are you working at it late at night, like after dinner, you know, or after? I just grab sleep? an hour here and now there. You know, I, I do work on it late at night, and um, I try and work on it on a Wednesday evening because Georgie is out teaching a course on Wednesday evenings. So, really, my times are Wednesday evenings and Saturdays. Yeah, because she because she has because uh, Georgie has uh, sessions with the kids on Saturdays, right? She yeah, she has sessions with kids on Saturdays. So basically, I I, I do it when Georgie works. 
when, right. when I'm not working and when Georgie works. So it's a pretty narrow time window. <laughs> right, right. But I just have to get it completed by the time that uh, the kid's born. So it's a couple of months. Do you find because you're, you're, um, your time is so is so uh, limited that you're really efficient. Like you're like, okay, I got like three hours now. I'm going to crank like really focused time mm. as opposed to kind of mulling around. Like oh, I'll do a little of this, a little of that. Like you you, already, you have your things in your mind. Like I'm going to do these three things today. I do, but at the same time, it doesn't stop me refactoring. I mean, I hate I hate not having some kind of refactoring done. Like I definitely do do the bad the first bad version. Remember when we were doing Andrew, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but then I'll like I still take the time to like go, okay. I need to like functionalize this. You know. Oh, no, I, I, I don't mean that. I, I yeah. mean that you were running through as fast as you can without looking back. And I just meant that, like, you kind of had a real purpose to your time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. you know your time is limited. So, uh, I actually have something that you'll probably listeners find interesting. Go on. I'm going to be making my first angel investment. Oh, really? Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, so, um, my uh, my buddy, Doug, who is doing the 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 um sort of the catalyst type of thing up in uh mill valley up in mm-hmm. which is just outside of san francisco so you you know I've, I've brought him up once or twice in the show yeah talked about it so he so we sandy and i and the kids we went up to san francisco back in like october had a little vacation and we um we um went over to doug's place and had dinner with his family and hung out and um he was talking about how you know, he had read a couple of my posts on, blog, on Google Plus about doing Catalyst, and he's like, yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about doing something like that. And so I got a few of the kids, and we started doing it. And uh, once or twice a week, we do it at the kitchen table. And we started with four or five kids until like 10 or 12, and it started getting kind of crazy. And he's like, you know, I'm trying to decide whether I like should get a space or what should I do. And, you know, and he had done the whole startup CTO thing, funded, venture-funded startup, and he had done the consulting thing, and he'd done it. I mean, he'd kind of... And he's just like, I just don't want to go do that again. I'm kind of burnt out on it. And uh, I really don't want to go contracting. So maybe I could do this and it would, you know, work. And so, and I was like, you should do it. I mean, like, I've seen the demand. You clearly got, you got like 10 or 12 kids right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say, go get a space, get a small space and go for it. And he, you know, he was sort of on the fence because, you know, it's a big risk. You'd put some real money and stuff. And, and, and the other thing, of course, kids are exhausting, as you know. Yeah. It's it's exhausting business. It's not just sitting back and building an iPhone app or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did in December. He did. He uh, he opened up a retail space <laughs> at four hundred square feet. Got a bunch of I uh, Mac Minis and uh, you know, signed the lease and got tables and Wi Fi and all that stuff. And you know, was slowly building up the number of kids and started hiring. Hired like a coordinator um, and then hired you know some high school and college kids to you know, to help out. And, you know, and I, I went up there a couple of times. We had dinner over the past year and, you know, he, he's like, yeah, it's, you know, just, you could just see the exhaustion on his face. <laughs> like He's like, doing it yourself, being around the kids is exhausting. So he said, but once you started having the people, you know, these, these high school and college kids and court, you know, those kids working with the younger kids, it was like, okay, it's way better now. You know, it's doable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I was approached by um, the guy who wanted to start up Code World at an Idea Lab, and that we have we've had the whole conversation on the show. And um, I had had, I had had Michael. I said you should talk to my buddy Doug and see what he's doing. I'm sure Doug will be pretty willing to share his what he's learned or whatever. And so, um, 
so that started a series of conversations between Doug and I, because I, I, you know, Doug called me up and said, oh, I talked to Michael this, and, you know, because I was like, you know, maybe you guys want to do something together, combined forces or something, and so we started having conversations about it, and, you know, he, at the end of the day, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I was like, I called me, asked you a bunch of questions, never called me back, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And um, so after a few of our conversations, I, I start, I mean, I started thinking, like, this is like, he's doing all right, like, he has like 90 kids now? Mm-hmm. And um, he charges like $200 a month or so, you know, just like what Michael had kind of modeled. And I was like, it's working. Like the demand is there. And and so uh, we were at Disneyland and I get a text from him and he's like, hey, you got a chance to talk. So we start talking and he's like, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking about raising some money because, you know, I want to like, I'm thinking maybe I should like try and open another location or this or that. And I said, listen, I don't think you can raise angel funding until you have at least three locations. You know, one location is, there's still way too much risk on the table. You haven't shown scalability, you haven't the ability to replicate the model. It could be a fluke that's just because you know people in that area. I mean, can you go and, and you generate the demand and the awareness and can you scale and all these kinds of things. I said, but once you have three locations working, I said, then I think you could raise real money. Um, but one, I said, it's going to be a slog and it's going to take up all your time and you're spending all your time working on PowerPoints and trying to get meetings. It's just like, I said, my suggestion is you raise as little money as you have to from one to three friends and they just write you a check and then you just work it out. And so, um, what do you, why do you point at yourself? Can I, can I be in this? <laughs> can I be one of the, the, the I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Have you, are, are all the slots already taken up? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. And I, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. So, all right. so we're, I'm in, I'm in, so I'm standing around, Sandy's in the teacup, the spinning teacup line with the kids, which right. I'd, I'd had too many spinning rides. I'm like, I, no more spinning rides for me. I, I could do roller coasters, but I'm not, I, I, one more spinning ride and I think I'm going to be done <laughs> and so she's like all right no no problem so i'm kind of standing over the shade just waiting for them to go through the ride and so um so i kind of give them the spiel i said look i just i said i said but you know honestly i said i could be a little self-serving here because i might want to put in money so you could put that little asterisk next to this piece of advice <laughs> and i said but if you don't raise money f- if if even if it's not for me i would i would do it that way i would just get one three tops People who you know or you like, where it's just like they're just going to write you a check. You can issue the shares. It's not a lot of back and forth, and you can just go build your business. And then come springtime, you got three of these things going. Hopefully, then you can go and raise the next chunk of money. That's what I would do. Uh, I said trying to do it now. I just don't think it's going to be successful. And if it is, it's going to eat up so much of your time that it might really hurt the business. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really what you need to focus on now is just growing this. And so. He's like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, that's a good idea, good sense. And I'm like, you know, then that we, we kind of hung up. And, and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, hmm. I said, I want a piece of this thing. <laughs> so I texted him back. I said, I said, how about I give you 50000 for 10%? 15. 50,000 50, for 10%. 50,000. 50,000 for 10%. Bloody hell. And so he's like, uh, you know, because I knew he had been talking to one or two parents one was a VC and one was like an early Googler and I knew they had a lot of money and they had expressed interest in investing if he wanted to take money, wanted to scale it out. And, and I was like, you know, I said, I can see an argument why this thing could be valued at like a quarter million, but I also was like an argument why it would be valued at a, half, a million. 
I say half a million is probably pretty reasonable based on his revenue and everything. Uh, there's a lot of risk. It's a lot of risk, but I think that's fairly reasonable. So if I get greedy and I say, hey, I'll, I'll give you 50000 for 20%, he's going to be like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I should go talk to these other guys. And so I'm like, all right, I'll make him a really fair offer. 50000 10%. And we're done. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want you to think about it. Like, you could do it. I want to grab 10% and you can be off to the races and do your thing. What did he say? And so he was like, he's like, has this been approved by the Roberts family board? <laughs> Yeah, I have to. It has it. And I was like, um, I, 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 yeah, I think I had gone over. I walked over to Sandy before I sent this text, and I said, "What do you think?" And she's like, "What?" Oh, and I said, "Well, what money are you talking what, about?" Yeah, well, that's what I'm. I'm going to liquidate the, the Tesla position. Oh, okay. So Tesla, I was looking at the numbers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but we put in roughly six or seven thousand. Yeah, and it and it's up over fifty thousand now. Okay. So then we can liquidate that, take the 50, invest and grab 10% of this sucker. Because I don't think Tesla, I mean, well, I think Tesla is a fantastic public company investment. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to, it'll it'll go, it'll probably triple from here over the next three to f- seven years. And it'll be a big deal. And it's going to be a great story to be part of. And it's a great, you know, it's just a great invest- stock to own. Um, is it, is it like an, is, but it's not like an angel investment. I mean, Something like this. That could really grow. Something like this could be a 20, 30, 50x. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a 10x is not very, assuming it doesn't fail, it, I think a 10x is, is very likely. <laughs> so I'm like, I, would, I said, it'd be a, what a great story. That $6,000 investment in Tesla grabs 10% of this. You know, something like, what a great story. You put $6,000 on Tesla, blow that up to like, you know, 50 or whatever. Then you take that 50 and you put it into, a startup, an angel investment startup, that <laughs> 10 or 20 X is like, what are the travels of $6,000? You know, it's mm. like, how, you know, what? That'd be amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah. So, cause my thoughts looking at is like, okay, each one of these, um, locations could generate at, at, at capacity, like 1500 square feet, you know, somewhere in the 500, $600,000 a year. Right. What a great story it would be if, uh, if I just had, Vincent I'd, built, <laughs> I'd built Plugio and then that the, the sale the sale money of Plugio went into the investment <laughs> what an equally <laughs> great story yeah an equally great story <laughs> well I, yeah okay yeah so let me get to this thing so um so if you have one of these so if you have three of them mm-hmm. uh generating that kind of money and these numbers are the kind of numbers that that Michael at Code World had had modeled out i mean it's this anyone could get back on a napkin math on this and this isn't like some super secret number but you know obviously if you have three of these things generating that kind of money and they're you know you're talking about a 30 to 40 percent margin at least you know that's good revenue so your 8x earnings 8x profit or 4x earnings you know that's gets getting to like a you know you're getting close to you know i don't know what is like 8x or 6x right there Mm -hmm. so um, but obviously you want to go way beyond three. You want to get either, uh, you know, raise money and, and quickly go to, you know, 20 or 30 of them or whatever. Um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of risk on the table. I mean, it's not necessarily baked in. I think the, the easy money is after you have three going to 10. Mm-hmm. Like that's to like, once you've got three and you've demonstrated like multiple times, not in your little local village, but you've opened up a new location that's where you don't know anybody and you've got, you've got that going. What's he called it? Well, right now it's just a Mill Valley Code Club. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, he may do it local and make like the, you know, the Mountain View Code Club or something as opposed to like, you know, Code World or mm. something. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what what the naming is going to be. It could be continue. It could be just local names or it could come with an overall brand or something. But um, yeah, cool. I was just like, you know, so yesterday I was thinking I'm just like, you know, I really believe in this thing. I want 20%. And I was like, I, I, I called him yesterday. I'm like, Doug, what would you say if I, what if I offered 100000 for 20? You don't have 100000 I do. We have it in savings and stuff. And so I'm down at the pool yesterday with Sandy. And Sandy, That's very highly leveraged. Yeah. Well, I go, okay, well, a couple things. So I, I'm, I'm talking, you know, Sandy's down watching the kids at the pool. And uh, I go, and so I said, let me, uh, let me throw something at you. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, but she's like, all right, what is it? And she's like, she's like, what? Well, where are you going to get the money? You know, like, where? You, and I'm like, well, you know, we have, the, you know, the savings for the education fund and stuff. Oh, she's, for God's <laughs> sake. oh no! Like, and she's like, she's like, I thought you didn't want to use that money. I thought, you know, you were very adamant, you know, because she was talking about using that money to pay off, you know, in our taxes. And I was like, no, I don't think we should touch the education money. But I said, but. In light of recent changes in our net worth, you know, because the Uber valuation just went yeah, public yesterday yeah. at seventeen billion, and I'm like, in light of that, as I don't really think we have to worry about college fund. Yeah, good point. you know, yeah. I mean, really, it's about short term liquidity. It's not about like what's it, what, what. I mean, yeah, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed, but it's pretty darn, you know, close. So I'm like. Really, it's like, what capital do we do we need now? And the question is, is this something that, you know, is a better use of the money? And I'm like, we, we had the same thing happen with Tesla. You know, I went and I told Sandy a year and a half ago, I'm like, we should put everything in Tesla. And she looked at me like I was insane. And I'm like, every, put everything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, I'm not putting everything. She's like, okay, you've made a good case. I will put what we can put in there, but we have to put money away for savings and for taxes. And I'm like, all right, fine. You know, but I'm just like, damn, you know, like I, I want to buy more than like, you know, 150 shares or 200 shares. Like mm -hmm. I know this is going to work, you know, I'm very convinced of it. And, you know, Sandy did the very responsible thing to do, you know, and I was like a little frustrated because I'm just like, you know, I mean, obviously I knew she was being responsible. So what did she say about the hundred thousand? Well, when I when I made the case about the, the Uber valuation and what our options are worth, I'm just like, is it really an issue? I mean, really? Yeah. And what did she say? She's like, and she's like, all right, fine. But if we do that, we're using the rest of it to pay off taxes. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> so I, you know, and then I of course gave her a kiss. She's like, all right, sealed with a kiss, right? So that's a that you'll take that's a pretty major part. Uh, that's a partnership position. Well. I, so I and then I uh, but then of course then I call I, I call up Doug I'm like hey man let me let me uh, ask you what what do you what would you say if I did this and he was like I'm like Doug you there and he's like yeah I almost swallowed my gum yeah. <laughs> so um, but then we spent the next like hour and a half two hours talking about it like should he put in money should I put in that fifty thousand should I put in a hundred thousand should I you know because I had mentioned a couple of my buddies who are you know credit investors and I just just like talking with you about it they're like yeah I like throw money for that so I was like. I don't know, do we bring in Phil or Mark? Those guys probably each could, you know, I mean, do we want to start with 50? Do we want to start with 100? Do we want to start with 200? Like how much do you want to sell? What's, you know, what kind of risk do we take? If, 
you know, if we're underfunded, do we want to be, how aggressive do we want to be to want to put one location in the, in September? We want to open two new locations. So we have three pumping, you know, right away. Or do we want to open one using the 50? And if things are going well after the new year, we've proven we can open up an, a, a second successfully, be a little more um, uh, circumspect and get, and then open our, uh, uh, a third. And he's just like, he's like, he's like, one concern I have is like, we don't have enough. We put money in, we get aggressive and then we don't have, we start running out of money. He's like, that's bad. You know, he's like, I don't know if you've ever been through a situation where, you know, you're in a money, yeah, money, um, uh, starved company. And it's so there are a lot of things to consider, you know, you don't want to raise too much, you know, but you definitely don't want to raise too little for what is you're trying to do. You just have to, you have to kind of be, you can't be overly, um, optimistic about like this is gonna be huge i'm throwing all my money you know and then it's like whoa okay so it's a little harder getting getting this thing filled with kids it may take another four or five months in which case we're running out of money with based on our instructors and coordinators and lease so we you know right yeah so and that's scary. And then and then i start thinking about them like okay that scared me a little bit <laughs> like maybe i should fit in 50 right but um that's called we left it he's like all right well he he's he's working on a um a Google Docs or a spreadsheet uh, financial model. Mm-hmm. He's going to send me today, and um, we're just kind of kind of go through like what would make sense. Like, what are we both comfortable with? I mean, I think either way, I'm investing. At least I hope, unless he changes his mind or something. But I, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure because um, he. So he's going to take it light. He'll, you'll just he'll just start with you and see if you can get one location, and then see how that works out. I don't know. That, I mean, we we, oh, we talked about four different options yeah. yesterday, and then at the end of the day where he's like, you know what, I think probably I should just go ahead and finish, get this financial model done, and so we can actually, because we're kind of talking about numbers, so it's all loosey-goosey, you yeah. know, back of the envelope, kind of like, well, if you have this many kids and this much space and this. It's well, because like, the other thing is, I, I could imagine the hard part being, e- even within the local area, it's it's easier. What The real proof is a city that he can't travel to. That's actually the real scaling proof. Well, you might say that, or a location that's just in a town where your kids don't go to school and you don't know anybody. Yeah, I mean that's another jump. Yeah. You're talking about jump. So there's 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 all big jumps, right? There's 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 opening up a location to the town next door. Yeah. There's one opening it down in the peninsula, which is an hour drive. That's a that's a jump. There's one opening one in like another part of the state, another part of the country. Yeah. And there's no one like, what do we open one in Europe? You know what I mean? There's all these big. That's a it's a little different thing. Um, you know, there's always risk, you know, going into the unknown. I think the big one is, I think the biggest risk is, is, is early is going to, uh, it just anywhere he doesn't, he doesn't live and have personal, a lot of personal connections. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, what, what's the difference between being in Mountain View, which is like an hour drive versus being in, you know, what's it? LA. Green Bray or something. Well, or LA, but, you know. That's cute. That well, be. LA would be bigger than being in Mountain View because he can't drive there very yeah. easily. Yeah, exactly. I but I mean, I, I would I would argue that you, you, you haven't, you haven't truly proved scale unless it's like just, it, you, it's a satellite. Well, if it's proved, there's no risk. If there's no risk, they're not taking yeah. your money, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the question is, you have to decide, you know, using your own sort of inductive reasoning, whether you think this is a smart bet. Like, do you believe, I think these unknowns are not that bad. And I think, 
I think that whatever challenges are pretty easily overcome with some adjustments. And I mean, going on your track record of of investing in stuff. <laughs> and again, maybe I'm just lucky. Yeah, <laughs> you've done pretty well so far. Yeah, well, I well, that's what I was telling Sandy. Like, I'm like, I really only believe in putting money in things that I really believe in. That I that I, I'm like that I'm actually freaking out about not being able to invest in. It's it's a, you get yourself in trouble when you just like, oh, I don't know. I guess people talk well about it. it. Seems like a good idea. You know, I've read a couple good articles. That's crap. You got to really understand it. I really believe in it. And like, like, you know, Tesla being an example for me. Um, and I, and I kept, I was talking to my buddy Mark yesterday because he came over to work on, we were working on an iPhone app and he, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm trying to think like, what's the next thing? He's like, he, cause he, you know, we, we jokingly refer to our, 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 our virtual investment fund as asymmetric investments <laughs> in Tesla, solar city and Bitcoin. And he's like, you know, I'm just looking, I'm trying to look for the next, when's the next thing going to be? And I said, you know, I don't think you can really search for it. I think you just kind of have to sit back and you wait for something, you notice something or you see something that is so glaringly attractive that you can't keep yourself from investing in it. Don't tie your capital up in a bunch of things just to put your capital somewhere because there is risk there. And you, just, and you probably, if it's not something that you really understand and are really willing to think hard about and really believe in, you're... It's, it's very likely that you don't know the risks and are going to lose money. Did I tell you that um, I had, uh, I've got now seven Bitcoin. Oh, really? Look yeah. at you. Seven Bitcoin. And I've, I've done. I so think, you've been accumulating a position. I think I'm doing what, you're, what you said, averaging in. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Seven Bitcoin, huh? Yeah. Well, look at you. I, 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 like 10 by the end of the year is my, my goal. Oh, 10 Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're you're a Bitcoin buyer. Well, I'm you're just going, I'm going on the theory that in like ten years they're going to be worth, I think like a hundred thousand plus. You know, that's my theory. So that investment could you can get 10X. to ten x yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, um, I'm more than ten x. You know, it'd be more than 10X, yeah, yeah. But right, you're yeah. looking for that yeah. that neighborhood. I'm look, I'm trying. I'm lo- I'm looking for it to kind of be like you know a million in five or ten years kind of thing. That's just a crazy theory I have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't have a strong, I don't have a really strong opinion about Bitcoin at its stage now in terms of, I think it's, I think, you know, from when it was at a hundred, I'm like, this is really low. Mm-hmm. But then just like with Tesla and Tesla was a 30, I'm like, this thing is, is real potential. But then it's when it gets time. up to like 200 and plus, I'm like, I'm definitely holding on it. I'm not buying more. I believe in it long term, but you know, looking at its market capitalization and stuff like that, you got to be a little circumspect about, you know, what, what are, you know, what, what, you know, what the valuation, everything. So, well, that's, that's exciting about Doug. So we'll keep us posted as I'm sure you will. Yeah. It should be an interesting story. It should be an interesting, you know, interesting story, but you know, I'll talk to him, but you know, see the thing is though, you know, there's, there's another, I'm sorry. I just want to say there's another really interesting thing about it. You've got the Idea Lab guy who's kind of te- you know doing it the whole kind of VC way, and you've got Doug who's basically bootstrapping it and just you know boots on the ground, really making it happen. Yeah. So the, the the big difference between the two is Doug is way ahead. 
Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, he's built a ton of software to manage everything for mm. invoicing, for scheduling, for um, the kids, for the all the lessons, for the kids posting up there, what they've accomplished, for notes, the, you know, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So he's he's invested a lot of time in doing that, which is really going to allow you to scale and really allow you to run it. And, you know, with all the curriculum he's built into it, I mean, he's, you know, he's way ahead. Um, and so he actually, and he's learned a lot. He's learned a lot about what works and what doesn't with kids and with parents. There's a lot of interesting things. And he's got so. money coming through the door. That's right. He's got actual money, 90 kids. You know, that's that's Yeah, he has real money coming in. He's way yeah. ahead. Um, not that someone can't catch up, but... Oh, that, that leads me to something else I want to bring up. So, you know, we had a long discussion about, you know, whether he should spend his time working on the software, invest some more time in the software, or he should just spend time doing the marketing stuff. He's been doing a lot of the marketing stuff. He's been writing a lot of articles and local papers and national stuff, kind of establishing himself as an hmm. expert in this area and also bringing awareness and, uh, you know, which has led to, you know, which is, which is, which has worked as a, as a, as a market, um, marketing device. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's like, so he showed me the software and I'm like, Oh, the software looks pretty good. I, I said, I know you're complaining about it. Cause like, there's all so much to do, but I'm like, I don't know, man, it looks pretty good to me. I mean, you know, I know as a developer what it's like, you, you see, you see all the flaws and you're really f- upset about them all and you want them all fixed. But uh, you just showed me like all this stuff and I, it looks pretty damn solid. Yeah. But you know, and so we're going about, he's going back and forth. Like, should he spend an hour or two a day on it? Should he try and hire someone? Should, you know, what should he do? And I said, you know, I said, I really think you should do like what Rob Walling did is find like an aggressive re- remote um, junior dev who's willing to just crank on this thing. And, um, you know, I said, I'm going to talk to Rob Walling because I know he's had some luck. And cause, and, oh, and this is all a Rails app. Because I, I, I have some resumes in my inbox that are, that are too junior for me. Right. I could... Yeah, because I, I, cool I think I, you need like a, a competent junior dev. I mean, they don't have to be an all-round. I mean, it can't be like, oh, I'm just learning what active record is. It's like, you know, okay, like that's not going to work. But you need someone who's like, you know, either I'm, I'm, I've programmed significantly in other languages. I'm competent now with Rails, but I need some more expertise. And I, I want to I want to become a consultant. I want to get a job as a, as a Rails developer, but I need time. And I'd be nice to make a little bit of money while I'm, Really yeah. getting up, but really getting my chops in yeah. place. Something, something like that, and and they can be work remotely. So I, I don't, I don't think it would be high paying by any means, but it would be an opportunity to work on a pretty, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty. I think according to him, he says, look, it's real vanilla Rails. He's like, I built this for somebody else to take over, you know. And so if anyone list, if, if there's any listeners to show who's like, who are like, you know, I want to, I want to work on some, a Rails app. Mm-hmm. Or you know, or you'd like to do something like that. I mean, Doug is a really nice guy and be really easy to work with. Um, send send us an email, send me an email or whatever, and I'll forward it on to Doug. But I'm also going to talk to um, to Rob and see see if he knows of anyone because he's had so much luck. Yeah, because you know he hired he hired that young guy who won the uh, the ha- hackathon there in Fresno two years in a row, and that guy built like all a drip and rebuilt a lot of Hittail. And I think he actually hired like two guys now or something. And he said, you know, and it's not really that expensive living in Fresno. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're paying San Francisco, New York rates. And that's what I told him. I said, maybe you can find someone in Fresno <laughs> or in some other part of the country where, you know, you don't have to yeah. make a huge amount of money just to. Well, I, I, I mean, I definitely recommend WeWorkRemotely.com. It costs 200 bucks to post a job posting on there. And 
you get a crap load of resumes coming back and really? uh, you know and a, a pretty high percentage of good ones so really yeah Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, you know, I know we get a lot of smart listeners, and if you're like, if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing some some freelance Rails stuff. Get you know, been learning some playing around with Rails, but I want to get better at it. And you know, hey, instead of just doing some silly side project, I'll make a little bit of money and I'll work within a framework of something that's already going. And then of course, as the company grows, I could get paid more. That kind of thing. You know, send me an email. I think it would be you probably could work out because he was trying first. He was trying to outsource it oversee because he did mm-hmm. it first he did the whole thing himself and he's like look i'm gonna try and hire this guy and you know it was like it was an outsource thing out of india and it was just the guy was very junior and the problem is you know with the time zone it's a killer he's like i'm tired all the time because i have to stay up so late mm. communicating with him or talking he's like is and uh, i was like yeah i think that's long term not good you can't be tired yeah you know you need, and i think you need to work with somebody who's in a similar time zone and and communication is really easy you know, you have to spend all this time being so um, overly, so specific about everything that needs to be done. Like you have a list of the bugs. The person, you know, is communicates well. They understand what the product is and they can just kind of knock stuff out. So, so that's the, that's the deal. So we'll know for sure if the, if, if the deal is consummated, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm hoping it'll, I'm hoping it'll, we'll close something this week. But, um, you know, so the only thing I was going to say about you investing is <clears throat> you only can take investment from accredited investors or if it's personal friend. Oh. So you guys, the other day, they become personal friends real quick. <laughs> 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 or you need to well, make some money. There's also the hurdle of Georgie. There's a Georgie hurdle? Yeah. I, it, it, it would be difficult to get to jump over that hurdle. But uh, yeah. if, if, if I could, I, I definitely would like to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'll yeah, keep we'll that see. in mind. But I mean, it, so- it sounds like you have some other people anyway, so. Uh, my buddy, Phil. You met yeah. Phil. Phil's been yeah. on the show. He's my first startup yeah. with me. Phil's accredited and he's done some angel investments. investments. And I I was just telling him about it just because I was excited about it. He's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I might be interested. And so yeah, no. I, I was like three people in a row. My buddy Mark was the same thing. And then I went out, I had dinner with um, Mike, Michael Hartle. But you know, you know Michael Hartle? Yeah, yeah. He's the, for any of those listeners, he's the, uh, he's the guy who wrote uh, Rails Tutorial. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went out and had dinner, uh, our, our drinks with, uh, it was one of the guys who was from, Ima- from Imagineer. He was an Imagineer. Well, I guess and, uh, Fez. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely people. You, ha- you know a lot of people. Who well, that's what I told yeah. him. I said, look, I'll put the money in. I said, but I could probably make a really big dent. You're leading an investment round. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, don't, I think I could make a really big dent in the next round. If it's an angel, if it's an official angel round, but he was talking about, look, if, he's like, he's like, honestly, if we raise 50 to 200, he's like, we get two of these things going. He's like, this may be the angel round. You are the angel round. Yeah. After that, we're going to go straight to an A round. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, if, 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 if you get three going, you know, and they're really showing revenue and growth, you could probably skip the angel round. You'd probably go straight to an A round. Mm-hmm. But in which case nobody else would be investing other than, I guess, VCs or something. Yeah. But, um, awesome. I don't know, man. That's crazy. Anyway, the last thing I'll say is it's interesting being on the other side of the fence, mm-hmm. like putting your own money. Like I am going to take $50,000 <laughs> and I'm going to put in this something. It's not like, oh, I'll, I'm going to, I'll partner with you and so I'll write some code and I'll piece like, no, I'm going to take $50,000, which is a lot of money to me. <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you for a piece, a small slice of this thing you're doing. Like that. Damn it, that thing better work. You know? 
Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take a, a, a little side um, off tech for a second. So you know my buddy Phil, who I just brought up. Yeah. Um. So he is he got on this weight loss kick using the following the four hour body. It's a Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss's four hour yeah. body, which is kind of like a strict version of the paleo diet. I mean, it's very low carb and you know it's restrictive in a lot of ways, but. Um, he started following it, and he went from 270. He's now 182. Well, 270 is pretty heavy. He's now 182. 182 is basically a really good weight. That's what he's you're supposed there. to be. Yeah, he's just down about, well, he's down at 16% body fat, but he's like, we jokingly uh, were talking about this, and he's like, because he's like, you know, I don't want to put our muscle and stuff. I said, you know, I said, what you want? I said, you want the Wolverine look. <laughs> you go Wolverine, and uh, I, I actually I told the state she's like I don't know. He said Wolverine's a little veiny, and I said how about Captain America? She's like okay, Captain America. <laughs> I'm like look, I think you should choose somewhere between Wolverine and Captain America, depending on you know your body type. And uh, so he's like, yeah, he's like that's what I go. I'm going Wolverine or Captain America. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want to look like a bodybuilder and be all bulked up. You and just want to look weird. ripped. Yeah, but yeah, and um, but with clothes on, you look fine. You know, you don't, and, and uh, <clears throat> but so right now though, he's losing all his weight. So now you like, he's looking skinny, you know, but he's still, but you still, he still has another 15 pounds to get the, you know, cause you still like, you take your shirt off and still kind of soft. So what he's trying, he's just trying to go for like absolute body perfection. Like, why not? Like, well, he was at 270. He's like, you know, I look like crap. Let's see how far I can take this thing. Well, yeah, he's, he's so he's, but I was amazed. I mean, I've just been watching it go, you know, the progress. I mean, you know, we talk about it every week. So he'll email me. He'll like, he'll like, first break 200, boom, you know. <laughs> so he'll like get text or something. And, uh, you know, so I've been vicariously living, you know, you know. If it was a stock, you'd, you'd buy it. I would have bought that stock a long time ago. Yeah. So anyway, well, it's got me motivated. So I'm like, all right, damn it. Like, I got to. Are you going to do the four hour? Thing? I'm not doing I'm doing my own thing, but. um. I'm going to, uh, I've just started to get aggressive. It's like, all right. So the first thing I think you want to do is you want to start tracking your weight on our spreadsheet or you track it, but you need to track it and look at it every day. You need to weigh yourself. You know, I do like the two things. I do the weigh, weigh myself and then I do like the um, tape measure on the gut right at the stomach, mm-hmm. you know, because that really shows your body fat percentage <clears throat> or is it's very closely related. And so those two things measure those every day. And you just check like the five day moving average or something. And you, you start saying like, if you're not going down, you're whatever you're doing, you're not doing enough of it. You're, you're not dieting well, is, isn't good enough, or you're not working out hard enough for me. And so, but once you get set on that goal, like your mindset changes, because I, you know, I go to the gym pretty regularly, but I've been phoning it in for a long time. Hmm. You know, I do like 20, 30, 30 minutes on the elliptical and I'm kind of, you know, blah, the blah, body's blah. Just, your body's used to it. It's not like working. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I've just, I think it's probably because I've just been working around so many different, so much stuff that I've just been t- just tired and just don't have the, 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 the willpower or whatever. And, but my, my girls keep teasing me. They're like, daddy, you got a, you got a fat tummy, you know, that <laughs> kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, all right, enough of this. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny. I freed that up. I was going to bring, I just saw, so my brother just sent me a, um, a box full of pictures, you know, cause my, my mom passed away about a year ago. Oh yeah, and uh, or a year, no, a year and a half ago, and he had a he was my brother's one who took care of the house and took everything out. So he he sent me this big box of all these photos, and some of them were from my mom had of me. And I was looking at pictures of myself like fifteen years ago, and I'm like, all right, this is bullshit. Like I gotta. <laughs> so here's here I'll show you this. This is at our uh, that was at our rehearsal dinner. Who's that? 
Exactly. Who's that? Like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get back to that. Because I look at a Sandy and she doesn't look that much different. But I do. <laughs> your face is, your face has changed as right. well. That's right. So the, I gained, I gained weight in my face. It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it's time to, uh, time to get on it. So. So you want to get back to your 18-year-old self? Not 18-year-old self. This is my 30-year-old self or 29-year-old self. That was, you know. Oh, so okay. I'm like, I, you know, that's... You said 15 years ago. Yeah, well, no, it was so... Well, roughly. So that was... that was in This was in 19... This is in... in August of 1999. You're for, so how old are you now? 40? I'm going to be 44 in September. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. So, so Phil's got me all inspired. So now I'm like, all right, That's now cool. everything. But so the last two days I went to the you know the gym and I was like, all right, screw the Cybex machines. I'm going straight free weights again, bench press. I mean, like, let's get is up that the what I, Phil's get, doing? He's starting to. He's he's starting to do something called strong lifts, which is like um which is what I did when I was when I ran track, when I you know, I used to sprint in college, and when you're comp- competing in track, like you have to lift for strength and power. And so you do squats and deadlifts and clean power cleans and bench press and overhead press. I mean, you're like, you're not doing like little, you know, cables and little BS bodybuilding stuff. I mean, you were building for power and you're like heavy, heavy weights for low reps for mm. explosiveness. But the, also it turns out that's what builds really strong muscles and also bigger muscles. So, so. what, what exercise, I mean, for, for that whole weight loss, what exercises have you been doing? Just cardio? He was doing, um, was we should bring mainly, him on at some point. Is it mainly diet? I, I, a lot of people will tell you that it's like 80%. 90% diet? Yeah. Um, I don't think that's quite true. Um, diet, look, there, there, there are two levers that you can pull. It's easier for most people to pull the diet lever than it is to pull the workout level lever, right? I've met lots of people who lost weight and like, oh, I just started running every day. I cut out drinking Coke and I started running every day, right? Did this. I've, I, and for me, the last time I had a big weight loss, I lost 18 pounds back like four, four or five years ago. And I went from 207 to 189 and I lost an average a pound and a half a week and I didn't like do any kind of special diet. I just, I tried not to overeat, but then I would lift for a half hour every day really hard and I'd do like 45 minutes to an hour on the elliptical really hard mm. six days a week. And that was easier for me. Yeah. It was easier for me to get in the gym and be like, all right, damn it, I'm going to do this with some purpose than it was for me to be like, well, I can't have any rice and I can't have any of this. You know, <laughs> like I can't, I'm not really good at that. I mean, I'm going to do some of that. But what I've noticed is that once you go to the gym or once I go to the gym and once I start working really hard and I know how hard it was, I'm like, yeah, I could probably avoid having that Coke because I know as that's just throwing away all that hard work. Yeah. You know, I have to start with the working out hard and then the it follows. It's kind of like people who like, and they start, you know, it's like drinking leads to smoking, you know, overeating and drinking. So like, they just compound, like, ah, screw it. I'm yeah, eating and true. drinking. Yeah, yeah. But once you start cutting those the things out. The what the hell effect. Yeah. What the hell. But it goes the opposite way too. Yeah. Once you start agree. doing yeah. good stuff, you're like, all right, that was a lot of damn work. I'm not going to have that. So, but anyway, so Phil was doing, um, he's, he was very good with the diet for him. But he was doing like, you know, 30 minutes on the bike or something like that every day. And um, he would lift. But he wasn't doing like hardcore um, free weights. It was more like the machines. Mm. But now he's like, all right, you know, he wants to start doing like. Let's take it all the way. The stronger. He wants to start like, all right, I want to start building up some muscle. Because he's starting to look, you know, he start losing all weight. You realize, oh, I actually don't have a lot of muscle. 
Because that's what I was telling him. He's like, oh, you know, I remember him telling me he said 270. He's like, let's get down to 210. He's like, I think I'll look pretty good. I'm like, dude. I was like, you're not an athlete, so you don't have that much muscle. You know, you're six foot. I said, you know, you look at the movies of, of, of and what the men look like in the TV movies in the 60s or 50s and 40s before they, people started bulking up and eating. Yeah, I said, you're, you're way about 160 pounds. You know, 165. If you, for you to like, for you to take off a shirt and not have any flab on your stomach, it's six foot and your musculature, you're probably 160, 165 pounds. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, he's like, what? Really? Now he's like 182. He's like, yeah, you're right. It's still like, you know, I mean, he looks good with clothes on, but it's like, the real mark is like if you took a shirt off your shirt off and you're playing like say beach volleyball in front of a bunch of girl girls would you feel good about yourself? <laughs> if you're not, then you're not fit, <laughs> right? You're not there yet, you know. So um, anyway, he's like you know he's still fighting that he's still like says he wants to go down to like 170 or whatever and then start bulking up. So anyway, it got me inspired, and so uh, anyway it was funny like so yesterday was the first day I went in and did the and I said all right like screw the machines I'm gonna go to the free weights. And then I started doing bench press again. And I was like, and all of a sudden my body was like, oh, you're serious again. <laughs> like your body was like, oh, okay. Like all of a sudden, like you could feel your whole body react to that. Like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like the body's like, okay, so I guess we're going to try, you know, <laughs> I guess we're actually going to, you know. So that's, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Because now that I've kind of trimmed off so much of this, of these responsibilities this summer, I think I have a nice clean summer and I can really just. Yeah six days a week get to the gym really push it and hopefully some jason time yeah you know get you know get get back in shape you know you just see picture of yourself you know when you're late 20s and you're just like damn it i mean mine are just a completely different person it's unbelievable how different i look yeah yeah so well some of these of course that's when i was graduating college so that's like 93 but this was you know 30 so anyway um tv show new tv show Oh, I, I, I've got one for you. Yeah? Yeah. Well, do you have one for me? Yeah, I got one. All right, you want me to go with mine first? Go ahead. Continuum. Yeah, well, you know... Um, it's, it's really good. Guyon had recommended that to me. Yeah. And I watched the first episode, and I thought it was pretty good. It's like a time travel it's, kind of thing. It's basically very similar to Fringe. Yeah? Yeah. But, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not exactly the same. It's not so similar that you'd think, oh, God, it's just like watching Fringe. But it's, it has some similar concepts. Which for me wouldn't be a problem because I really like French. It, it, and it, but it does get better over time. And, um, you know, the third season, the, the, there's been three seasons out now and it's very likely that season four is going to be renewed. So it's not, you know how like sometimes when you get into these things and it's like it only goes one season and that's just really annoying. Yeah. Well, at least, you know, the continuum and, and the, the, the writer of it uh, says that he wants to take it 10 seasons. Like he's got enough story in him to take it 10 seasons. Wow. So I think it's worth, it's, it's, it's interesting. I thought it was well done. Yeah. I mean, I watched the first episode and I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I, I didn't, um, uh, but you know, the thing is for, and this is, you just need more episodes. You just need to watch more to get into it. Yeah. No, here's the problem. The problem for me is I'm really lazy when it comes to the TV. So when it's on Netflix, like I have to switch off the DVR and turn on the, Roku and find the Netflix or it's just like it's like nine clicks more and I'm just so lazy I'm like ah screw what's on the DVR huh. you know I mean oh, I wow. know it's I, I admit it it's it's ridiculously lazy so that's why sometimes like why are we watching you know something on DVR as opposed to House of Cards second season or something it's just because like ah uh, have just, you started watching House of Cards second season no I haven't I haven't um, but I'm going to but so Continuum I agree I'm going to give that a shot Again, but you know what I've started watching that's new that I think you'll like, and probably a lot of listeners like is Halt and Catch Fire. 
Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire. I can't believe you've heard of it. No. It's on AMC. Haven't even heard of it, no. Okay. Now, you, you, you'll you like this. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, I'm not sure how accurate it is to historically or whether, I mean, I'm sure there's a huge amount of dramatic license, if not, or just a reimagining of what happened, but whatever. It's interesting. Um, it's about the guys who clone the IBM PC and create the whole industry around the PC market, mm. right? So, um, the, the, I mean, I'm not giving anything away because this is kind of how it all opens up in the first, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. But essentially, there's sort of this, the visionary sales guy who's really like a, a um, kind of a manipulator and really aggressive. And then you have the kind of the, the, um, the, the misunderstood genius working in a cubicle at some tech company who's kind of misunderstood and struggling with his marriage because, you know, things he's done, the startup or stuff he's done in the past didn't work out, but he's this genius guy. And the sales guy comes to him and says, you know, basically manipulates him into doing this. And, and it just all hell breaks loose. And it's good. I, I would recommend it. It's like, it's kind of dark. Sadie's like, I asked, when we, we start finished watching. I'm like, well, what'd you think? She's like, yeah, it's good. She's like, it's a little dark. You know, kind of like, X-Files dark, like as in the lighting is dark, you know, right, yeah. like they're trying to create a lot of atmosphere. Um, and I, I said, you know, that's, that's, that's. What's it on? Oh yeah. AMC. 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 Right. So, so I you can easily go on Hulu or no, I probably watch it on, you can probably watch it on AMC's website. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend it. All right. You people, <laughs> all right, you people set your DVRs. Or go and watch the AMC, watch the, the the pilot, and set your DVRs. Watch an episode or two, and I'd be interested to see how many people like it. Oh yeah, Amazon is how I get that stuff. Amazon, and I usually buy it. Yeah, but it's a, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's good. So well, also once again, the Silicon Valley. I mean, the the way that the whole story arc works, I would seriously recommend that show, especially to our our audience, because it's just fucking hilarious. Just the the, the Silicon Valley. Yeah, Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I just got an email with Sandy. So let's let's talk about the Texing Summit. Yeah. Okay. So so before the show, you you were like, well, we got to say a date because otherwise people aren't really going to know if it's something they want to do. Okay. So she said, here's what Sandy said. She says, what's going on in Pasadena in October so that we know that we're not conflicting with something major and all the hotel rooms are taken. She says, and the two weekends that you specified based on when you're going to be in town and when the babies do and all that were October 11th and 12th and October 18th and 19th, right? So uh, here's what she said. October 11th and 12th. Art walk, probably not a big impact, but there's a lots of outdoor art exhibits all around town. Old Town, Paseo, Playhouse, people walking around. To UCLA at the Rose Bowl versus Oregon, there will probably be some hotel impact here unless I reserve a block of rooms like now. Uh, this is Columbus Day weekend, so some people will have Monday off, possibly easier to travel. October 18th and 19th, Craftsman Weekend, basically a house tour, probably not a big impact. UCLA out of town this weekend. She says, FYI, rooms at the Courtyard Marriott in Old Town are about 180 per night. Hope this helps. So what, 18th, 18th and 19th sounds better then? Well, I mean, 11th and 12th is Columbus Day weekend, so people like have Monday off. I don't know. I mean, yeah, 18th and 19th would be better for rooms, but if we could... Well, well that, that's another good point. Like, So if, if people are traveling from abroad like latvia for example it doesn't well, matter one person's booked right so they're, they're traveling from latvia is it just for the two days or could they hang around for a bit what do you think well my thought is 
if we did this, and it really depends on how many people we get. I think the minimum for making this sort of like worth doing is like 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. We don't have less than 12 to 15. I just don't think of the critical mass. Because I think if you had six or seven people, it's like how many times are you going to get together for, for people just like, I pretty much run out of things to say. Right. You know, the more people you have, the more ideas, the more th- projects, the more things, that you know, the more energy. So if we have 12 to 15 people, I think you're talking like a day and a half. Like we have like a Friday night dinner and then we do all day. We do three get togethers on Saturday. Like we have, it's all meal round meals or something like that. You know, we're like, they're three hour meals, you know, kind of things like that. Yeah. We hang out and, you know, maybe we have, you know, I don't know. So, but if we have more people, if we got to like the 20 to 30 range. Maybe you could make it like Saturday and Sunday or something. I don't know. Okay. But I would say that for people who are, are traveling, they we could just be a bookend to their travel. So like, you know what? I'll use this as an excuse. I've been wanting to come over to the U.S. or take a vacation. We'll come up. We'll hang out with the he- texting someone for a day or two, and then I'm then we're taking off and we're going to go. Well, I, yeah, that's what I was going to say because if you're if you're coming over from Latvia and it's just a Friday night and a Saturday, that's probably going to not be great. So I, I was thinking we should we should basically be available for both days, you, yourself and myself, and just say you know if you are coming over from Latvia, it doesn't really matter how many. Like assuming that the prerequisite of twelve to fifteen are here. You know, definitely Sunday's going to happen. We will meet up with you on sun- on the Sunday and we'll do we'll do something. Do you know what yeah, I'm but I mean, I don't think so. if someone's coming to Latvia, they would just be coming for the, th- they'd probably be doing other things. They'd be like, you know, they'd probably be like, I'll, you know, because it's just jet lag. I mean, why would someone fly that far just for one thing? They'd probably hang out and then want to do other stuff. Yeah. I would think. I mean, you got the whole country yep. to see. Agreed. Um, But, so yeah, so we have, how many people? We've five people? We've got five people so far. Five. So... If it, if we get in the twelve to fifteen range, I think it's a go. Yeah. Um, I think I think if it's less than twelve, we we'll just refund. We'll just do a refund. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. And 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 just so people understand that you know, we're, we're gonna as once we get a confirmed number of people, we'll, we'll we'll clarify a little bit about maybe what we're gonna do. My thought, my loose thought, and I think this is what you're thinking, is that it'll be kind of discussion based stuff. Maybe we have it. You know, each meal we say, okay, we're going to talk about these four things, or maybe we're going to do like crit lock critiques of various things. Like someone says, all right, this is my project, this is what I'm doing, and we just go around the table and we brainstorm about it and talk about it, and like we do that with three or four projects. I mean, you know, well, we I, do- yeah, yeah. But I also wanted to do a show here, okay, like and have and have people sitting in here, like to have a, like a live okay. show, you know. Well, we could do One anything. Episode, I'm just yeah. like throwing. I'm just thinking, yeah. like, you know, what I, I think. You know, this isn't like a you know a tech conference like you have speakers and they're going to get up there and tell you like, you know, how to optimize your ad revenue or, you know, no, it's, to, it's the, the best way to outsource development or something like that. I mean, you know, it's like our show like today, you know, but you know what would be really fun? I thought is like, okay, you know, for maybe a couple of the meals or I don't know, whatever it was, we say, all right, we're going to talk about these three to five subjects these three subjects and we can mm-hmm. have people kind of vote on what they're most interested in. Once we have people say, you know, commit, we say here, are, here, are, here are 10 subjects, the top five or top four, are what we can talk about. Now, what you have to do is everybody has to do some research on those and they have to come with their own opinions and their own ideas about it. Right. So it's not just you and me driving it. They're like, you know, cause you know, what's interesting. We did this and this is a funny comparison, but for the um, math, um, for the math team, uh, one day, I was teaching the kids about pi. Mm-hmm. And so I said, here's what I want you guys to do. Everyone has to go home. They have to look up. They have to find three interesting things about pi 
that nobody else is going to know about. And anything that you bring up that nobody else has, you get a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> and we had some really interesting thing. I mean, kids were all over the internet, obviously Wikipedia, but all over finding all kind of crazy um, historical facts or interesting n- numerical facts or whatever about Pi. And it was a great conversation, you know? And I was like, so if you can do that with a bunch of 10-year-olds, you know, it's, it's like you have, okay, you have 10 to 12 to 15 smart people say, all right, we're going to talk about this X topic. And they have all said, all right, well, I'm going to read about this stuff. And, you know, I'm going to make sure I have something interesting to say. It would probably be a hell of an interesting conversation. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. You know. It would be nice to record them all. Uh, Good. I, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, you set up an omnidirectional mics or something. You could probably mm. record it. Mm. What okay. do you think? Yeah, I think it's not, it, you're the odd, you're my audio well, in guy. In a restaurant, it wouldn't work. <laughs> it would work here in in something like this, in the, in a room like this where it's all quiet and you could have everyone sitting around. But in a restaurant, it wouldn't work very well. Well, the restaurant ones, you know, so have to be careful too because a lot of people are very uncomfortable being recorded. Yeah, you know, I mean, you and I have been doing this long enough that we just are like whatever. But we'll just or we can more or less be ourselves. But I know even. Even um, when we had Phil on, you know, I'm talking to him about it. And Phil's an actor. He, he's an improv guy. Yeah. You know, he's up all the time. And he, so he's very comfortable in front of an audience. But being yourself and being honest and open and talking about what you really think and knowing people are going to – and it's recorded – that's all going to be recorded. It's hard for people to be themselves and not be kind of guarded and, and, and um, everything. So it might not be the best idea to record it. I mean, it, might, it might really become a stilted discussion. It really depends on the we people. We try it both ways, yeah. So uh, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a different, uh, a new uh, one of these Zoom recorders that has four inputs instead of two, so that I'll be able to. Because there's been a few times when we've had other people in the conversation, mm-hmm. and I've had to like spend hours editing the bad, you know, audio mixes out. So uh, that should help with that getting. So a new one of these? Yeah, a new one of these. Yeah, they're pretty expensive, aren't they? It's going to be like five hundred, five seven hundred, something like Jeez. that. Jeez. And it's going to have how many outputs? Four inputs. It'll, four. it'll do four inputs. So we could the, the way that it work, it'll work really well for, say, f- f- discussions with four people because everyone will have a mic like this. Right. So the audio will be really clear. And then um, it will also work well where we just uh, we have a mic like this and then we put an omnidirectional mic in the middle of the room. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. How much did this cost? Like 200 bucks? Uh, this was about 400, I think. Yeah, we bought this with a bunch of donations yeah. from the show, right? Yeah, we did, yeah. It's pretty nice little piece of equipment. It, it's really, it's. I, I much prefer the way that uh, the show sounds than it did in the early days. When Skype? We, when we were just on Skype, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, so let's see, what's next? Um, well, I'm, I wondered, what was your opinion on, and this is something we've been thinking about as having, you know, obviously going to be new parents. What's your opinion on kids using iPads? Oh, hold on one second. What date are we going to do it on? The, the 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 there's the October nineteenth nineteenth and October twelfth and thirteenth. I say the eighteenth. Well, eighteenth and nineteenth. Why don't we do this? Why don't we? Do you want to just check and see when we can get a block of rooms, reserve yeah. a block of rooms? Yeah. And then you want to just put it up on the website, and then you want to have people vote on it, see when people can do it. Um. Uh, I was really thinking about Georgie because the pro- the issue with the eighteenth and nine- eighteen and nineteen is it's Georgie's birthday on the nineteenth. Ah, but then again, we like you you know if you say we're we're not really you know I could still have dinner with her or something like that. So, but I guess the twelve if we could do twelve and thirteen that wouldn't be on her birthday, right? 
So that could be just better. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we just hold off and see if we can get the rooms? Because uh, the UCLA is at UCLA is playing at the Rose Bowl versus Oregon, so it could be a lot of people flying down from Oregon. I think just say eighteen and nineteen. Just say that. Why? Because we we know we're going to be able to get the rooms. We don't. Oh, for the eighteen, oh the twelfth and eighteen, yeah. 19th. yeah but you know, you want to check? Do you want to check with Georgie? She, well, I've I've already pretty much okayed it with her. Yeah. You're not gonna get in trouble. No, I'm not. No. 1819. I, I, I'd say we just go for that because there's another reason why that's good because then the baby's a week older because remember it would, would probably could have just been born even just a, a few weeks before then you okay. know maybe three weeks before then so we are going to be very much in new baby mode mm-hmm. so if, if I even move it back a week that might be even more you know so that's why I think 1819. Right. Yeah. Alright so here's what I'll do. Let's say provisionally it's the 18th and 19th if we get a bunch of emails from people saying oh, I could have done the 12th and 13th I can't do it. There's a my, there's a possibility we're going to move to the 11th and 12th. If yeah. a lot of people say, if we get a lot of pushback that they really could have done the week before. Okay? Does that sound fair? Yeah, sounds fair. But 18th, 19th, unless there's a major pushback. And just book, and just go and book your spot in uh, te- uh, textinglive.com forward slash summit. Right. And, and also to be clear too, like we're not making any money off this. The 250 is really just a deposit. We can use that to just spread out the to, for the um, the food, and then just we can if we have leftover money, then everybody gets back proportionally or whatever. Like we're not this this isn't like Jess and I are making a dime off this. Minus PayPal's cut, by the way, because right, they PayPal. take their th- their three percent or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so it. yeah, and uh, that's I mean the two fifty was just to make sure like we didn't want to have a bunch of emails say they're coming, and then yeah. all of a sudden like it's it's me and you and no crickets. the only numbers we're believing are uh, uh, the, the the cash down numbers yeah yeah all right cool um <clears throat> yeah that's what i was just asking you so like be, being you know new parents I, I i was wondering what's your opinion on young kids using ipads my kids love it because uh, I, the, I, I, there was an article that i had come across talking about um teachers and lecturers are warning that the rising numbers of kids uh using iPads are unable to perform simple tasks such as using building blocks. What a bunch of bullshit. You think that's, that's a little bullshit? Yeah, my, my kids use iPads all the time. Yeah, but what age they did use, they start? Well, the iPads didn't really exist until, I don't know, at least I didn't have one until what a year Because I think what they're talking about, they're talking about like three-year-olds, right? They're saying that iPads have been given to three-year-olds in restaurants. Do you, I mean, have you, do you ever see that? You see like a... Oh, like, yeah, look, here's the deal. Yeah. Here, okay. Here, this is what's really funny. So you have there's this bifurcation between parents who have one child, and they read a bunch of books and articles about how to raise that child, yeah. right? And they have all these ideas, and they get really they're very precious about everything, and very oh we're gonna optimize everything and this. <laughs> and once you have like two or three kids, or then once you've had a kid for a while, you're like all right, whatever. I mean, these kids are pretty resilient, and you're just like. You know, when we go, when we, we don't have to do it as much now, but there's a period of time. I mean, when you take kids to the restaurant, it was a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I mean, it is the kind of thing that you're, you're and your wife are going to be in a terrible mood because the kids are like crawling under the thing and I'm not getting this and drawing this and knocking over the their drinks. And this, you're just like, ah, you know, let's get out of here. And like, Sandy, I'd be like, all right, you just take them. I'll pay the bill. Like, just this sucked. Was not pleasant. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about when the baby's like six months old and they're in the carrier right there and, you know, that's a happy time. That's easy time. You're going to be like, oh, this is easy. We take up, we go to our favorite French restaurant, we take the baby, and everyone goes, ooh, the baby, and we eat our friend. That lasts 
for like, you know, six months or something. But once they start, get to a certain point, I don't remember exactly when it is when they can, when they can walk or sit up or whatever. That ain't, that ain't happening anymore. And, um, and, uh, so once, so, once you, and you, you're not going to be going to restaurants with kids at that point until later. Cause it's just not, it's not worth the money on spending the restaurant cause it's too unenjoyable. It's better to just have, leave it with your, you know, your mom or your sister or a nanny or a babysitter or something and then go out and go, whew, let's have a, <laughs> have a real meal. Right. Cause this is not happening. And then when you get, when, when you're kid, when you have multiple kids, Two for sure, two, two probably, but three or more for sure. It is insanity. And so if you can hand each of them like, all right, here, take the iPhone, you take the Android, you take the tablet, everybody, well, you know, we'll order food and wait for the food and everybody can be kind of occupied for 15 minutes without like disturbing the people on the other tables and knocking stuff over and crawling on the table and stabbing each other with utensils. <laughs> You're like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i don't even care you know and you can see other parents you can see you know they're doing the same thing they're just like this is just like just smart just makes life easier yeah and you'll, you'll see you'll go to the playground and you'll see parents who have like you can see that you can tell the difference between the parent the new parents and the parents that have two or three kids because the kid with the parents of one child they're like really overprotective like oh they're care walking they're with the baby don't want the baby to fall over you know and it's like the kid's three years old like it's wood chips what are you worried about you know they just like so but then after a while you realize, eh, you know, I, you know, there's like the bumbles bounce. Like they're, they're all right. Like, ah, shake it off, rookie, you know, rub some dirt on it. Like, come on, keep playing. All right. But, but what about three-year-olds using iPads? Like, is that okay? I mean, isn't there a... I think everything in moderation is fine. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, you I mean, you know, stabbing them with a knife in moderation is not fine. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, look... Should they eat McDonald's? It's not going to kill them. Should they have McDonald's eight days, you know, seven days a week? Probably not. Right. You know, like, you know, some people's like, I, I've seen like kids in the, we're in fourth grade. It's like, I've never had a, a soda. I'm like, really? Like, that's, give me a break. You know? That's, I mean, that's a bad thing. They, they, their parents are over, so overprotective. They're just making their life hard. They're making life hard on the kid. They're making themselves, li- their lives hard. And they're the kind of kids who go later and then they freak out. And when they go to like at a birthday party, they have 10 Coke glasses of coke because it's like this forbidden fruit they never get to have yeah another another discussion that came up recently is about bb guns yeah like some people believe that bb guns are like almost like a gateway drug into arms give me a break <laughs> do you, you disagree give me a break <laughs> i had a bb gun my favorite things of every dinner kids we have bb gun wars there's nothing as fun as shooting your friend with a bb gun Tell you what. In fact, I would love to shoot you with a BB gun how right old, now. That would be old, awesome. How old were you? I don't know. Nine, but ten. But 11. if you get them in the eye, I mean, you could do some damage. I almost shot my friend's eye out, and that's the last time we ever did it. But up until that point, it was a blast. Yeah, no, we, I mean, it's nothing like we would play, you know, when you're boy, you know, boys, you would play army. We yeah. play army all the time. You know, and you had some of you had like a little bit of army gear, or whatever, and we had BB guns. And like, we literally, rather than just going pew pew, it'd be like, I'd be shooting you. <laughs> <laughs> with a, now yeah. as long now if, i think it'd be fine if you wore um uh like uh workman's goggles yeah, yeah. you wore workman's goggles it'd be on it'd be like nothing to worry about and what does it feel like to get shot with one like a bee sting it hurts like a bee sting yeah so which makes it realistic like you <laughs> not want to get shot by that thing <laughs> and if you're if you're like running across the field your friend is like you're like you know? <laughs> oh my god i mean it is so hilarious you shoot your friend in the ass and they're like Whoa! <laughs> it is so great i i mean i literally 
I mean, you know, but look, I grew up in a neighborhood with a ton of kids, and we would have dirt that wouldn't clock happen war. in L.A. We, though, would it? I mean, that doesn't sound like something that Colby would get into. You know, like in he this, would in love it if he could. Yeah, I, we're just not a neighborhood like that. I mean. I lived out in the suburbs when we were younger, so like we had the, you know, there'd be like the house being built on the street, and so there's dirt everywhere. See so these dirt clog wars, you know, have big clogs of dirt throwing <laughs> dirt, or shingle wars, you know, like the shingles that go on like uh, roofs. You throw it like a frisbee, like, whoosh, you know, holy crap, that could really hurt someone. Yeah, did hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you know, with a little pain, you know, it's like you know, no pain, no gain. I don't know. I mean, we did all that kind, dude. I did. I. I grew up, I mean, we were wild. We did, um, we created, um, we would create cannons with gasoline and tennis ball cannons. cannons. So we did get three of those, um, uh, like, uh, soup cans, cut out the t- bottom, mm-hmm. okay? And you'd, and you'd tape them together with uh, duct tape, the three in a row, and then you'd put a Coke can at the bottom, you'd duct tape it on, and you'd make a little, like a, like a nail hole in the bottom. you put gas, maybe... You know, I don't know, like uh, half a cup worth of gas in there, and then you'd uh, put it to tennis ball in there, and you would light a mat. You'd light, you'd light it, <laughs> shoot that thing like two hundred yards. Yes, I mean that's the kind of stuff we used to do. We used to do, we used to um, play with. Um, I just think that I just think Georgie doesn't understand what having a boy means. Most women don't. Unless women, unless girl, unless girls who did not grow up with brothers have no idea what they're in for, and they're uh, they're up in for a shock. And but when you when you grew up with when girls who grew up with brothers, they know how rough and reckless and disgusting and 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 you know that boys can be, and they're just used to it. They're like, oh, okay, that's just what boys are. But women, they just don't really. They're not going to get it, and it's going to be a series of shocks. I just remember I used to climb on the roof all the time. You know, I my, well, my favorite thing was to be on the roof of the house. So dangerous mm-hmm. when I think about it now. Yeah. No, I do a time with climbing trees. I mean, <laughs> one thing we used to do is um, we would uh, get a we would put uh, gasoline on tennis balls and you light on them tennis balls uh, and light them on fire. And and you could hold a burning tennis ball because the heat of the flame is not at the bottom. We just kind of warm. So you could kind of so we would be tossing around burning tennis balls. <laughs> And I still remember we were at our my Jeff my brother Jeff and I were my at our buddy Brian Abernathy's and it was one evening his mom was out we were probably eleven twelve and so we're old enough not to have babysitters and we're at his house and we're out on his patio and we had a bucket full of gas and we had we were soaking the tennis balls in it and and my brother Jeff was not he's a year and a half younger than me he was not yet comfortable with the idea of holding a burning tennis ball. And so he had on one of those kitchen mitts, you know, those little cooking mitts. <laughs> and so, you know, I tossed it to him. So I'm, Brian and I are throwing it back and forth and we toss it to him and I catch. <laughs> he catches it and, and, then the, and the mitt cuts off fire. He's like, oh! And he throws the mitt into the bucket of gas no. and the bucket of gas goes whoosh. He's like, oh! And then he kicks over the bucket of gas and it's whoosh. The whole patio is on fire. We're like, holy shit. Why, why do you have a bucket of gas? Oh, well, who doesn't? You know? Yeah. Who doesn't who have doesn't, a bucket of gas? Who does have a bucket of gas? I mean, a bucket of gas. I mean, the whole thing is on fire. And so we run into the kitchen getting water and throwing it on. Shit. <laughs> and you're 11? Yeah. Oh, my I'm probably 11. God. I think we're 10, 11 or so. Oh, my God. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff boys do. They yeah, just get used to it. That really well, is. Well, you know, that's what we did anyway. Um, and there's a lot of 
farting. Yeah, all kind of stuff like that. Just basically grossness. Yeah. Girls would do a little of that, too. I mean, little kids are all potty. We call it potty talk. They're just, right. they just, you know, it's funny to them. And, you know, you have to do a little bit. They're like, all right, guys, that's enough. That's enough. My, my kids right now, are they're just, hopefully they're getting over this, but they're obsessed with curse words. So it's the S word and the F word. Well, I heard someone say the F word. Can you say the S word? Like, guys, all right, enough, enough. <laughs> like we're in the car, like, I, you know, it's like you can't bottle things up completely because kids will just. They well, do you, to. do you swear? I mean, how do you do, you, do you have like an automatic filter when you're in front of your kids? You don't swear because I swear a lot and I don't know how I'm going to. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to naturally. You'll just do be it. careful around yeah. kids. I mean, you know, but there's occasion like I see you around them. We occasionally drop an F bomb. I do. And I'm like, Justin, dude. Around your kids. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it a couple times. I heard you at Catalyst. And yeah. You, 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 you can't really do that around kids. Yeah, and I have to learn that. Um, you just learn to kind of censor yourself. Yeah. You know, whatever. But uh, anyway, all I'm saying about the whole raising kids things is you're going to come in. It's like, was it no battle plan ever survived contact with the enemy? You ever heard that? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, that, that. So, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then as soon as the battle hits, it's like everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like with having kids. You're going to, you and George, you're going to read all these books and read all these articles and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and da da da. And our, my kid's going to be like this and my kid's going to be like that. And then it's like, pfft, all that's going to just fall out the window and you're just going to be like trying to keep your head above water. Well, and, uh, we are, so one, I guess one place that we're starting that's interesting is we're going for a natural birth. With no meds. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's what strikes me. That I guess that Georgie is Georgie is kind of bohemian, kind of. Nat- so that, I that's see why we're doing, doing this kind of twelve week, twelve twelve week course where we go and, and we're going tonight as well. So basically, it's like a two out ho- two hours, <laughs> two hours every Sunday night for twelve weeks. Oh, it's really hard. God help her. God help both of you. Jesus, that's going to be crazy. Why does she want to do that? Uh, she just what. Actually, I think the reason she wants to do it is it's kind of like she wants to challenge herself. She's like, can, you know, can I do this? That's like saying I want to go, I want to climb Mount Everest without oxygen. Like, you know, just climbing Mount Everest and not dying is like really hard. <laughs> <laughs> if you climb Mount Everest, there are tons of dead bodies of people who have trained on the right equipment. You're going to go up there? I don't know. I mean, it, it, seems, it seems like a feasible thing. I mean, the, the, anyway, the people in this class, it seems like a feasible thing. And like the alumni of the class all seem to have done it. And yeah, okay. it's... Well, I'm sure it's doable. I mean, women did it for hundreds of thousands of years. Or yeah, whatever, was, right? I was looking at... This. There's a new reality show about women giving birth in the wild. <laughs> Basically, women go out into a forest without doctors and just give birth. And that George is not going to do that, but I'm just saying, like, Good God, people do that kind of thing. That's nuts. Wow. Well, that's going to be uh, well, an interesting story. Yeah. It goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but just generally, I mean, you know, and you're going to do you're you're not going to help yourself about thinking everything's going to be a certain way, and you're going to do a lot of research. But yeah, I just I would just like don't put too much pressure on yourself when you realize the battle plan is kind of falling apart, and you're just kind of like winging it and you're just kind of learning as you go and really the kids every kid's different you know you have a second kid second kid might be completely different the first you'll think oh we got this nail this is how they are (laughs) or i've had a boy i know what boys are like i had a girl i know what girls are like and then there's another girl who's not even like her at all you're like oh okay (laughs) they're all from the same genetic material but completely different yeah Mm -hmm. so but either in in the day it's they're they're awesome they're driving nuts but they're awesome at the same time it's just kind of a interesting (laughs) combination (laughs) Well, so um, let's see. What else we got? 
I had a, uh, I was just reading an interesting article. I mean, it's not too much to say about it, but I'd like to try it. Um, a study about 40 gigahertz gamma waves that being zapped, zapped into your brain when you're sleeping and it, it kind of induces lucid dreaming. Yeah, I saw that title. I didn't read it. You read it? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, you, that's, you, that's you not, read it or you skimmed it? I skimmed it. But there's what, <laughs> what else is there to say? I mean, there's not too much else to say. I mean, that's it. But it, it would be nice to do, wouldn't it? I mean, I think you could solve problems and have very interesting dreams that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're looking for them, it's lucid dreams, I guess. I have a lot of lucid dreams. You do? Oh, yeah. Very lucid. I have. I, I dream a like lot. Like where, where you're completely in control of of the storyline, the plot. Of oh, the I'm dream. not completely in control of it, but I'm. They're very lucid, and I remember them. And well, lucid dreaming means that you can basically say, "Oh, I'm dreaming. Oh, now I want uh, like a red Ferrari to be in front of me, and it appears." I don't think that's what lucid dreaming means. Lucid dreaming means it's just it's very clear. It's like high def. No, that's not what lucid dreaming means. Yeah, re- look it up. Let's see. Yeah, sure. Maybe you're right. I don't. I don't. I. I would never have thought that you could control your dreams. Yeah. L- L- Lucy, look it up. I don't need to look it up. I've. I've read books about it. I. Know, I. already know. All right. Let me look it up. I don't. You know me. I don't take anyone's word for it, especially <laughs> yours. <laughs> Lucid <laughs> dreaming. Let's see what my. What is lucid dreaming? Okay. No. A lucid dream is any dream in which one is aware that one is dreaming. It's aware that you're in dream, not that you're in control of it. Well, you're you're aware that you're dreaming, and therefore you're an active participant, and you can control it. Didn't say you control it. It says a lucid dream is a dream in which you one is aware, one is dreaming. Something. Yeah. It says you're aware of your dreaming. Um. So you regularly. So I would say that I don't. I wouldn't even say that I've had lucid dreaming. Then I've had. I've just been. I. Because, you know, there, there are dreams you have which is just kind of really vague and murky and you kind of can barely remember it and they don't make a lot of sense. But there's some dreams that have almost like a storyline to it or at least it's, you can, you feel like you have very clear connection to, a, cl- a clear um, picture of where you are and who you're dealing with and what's going on. So on Wikipedia, a lucid dreaming, awareness of the dream state, awareness of the capacity to make decisions. Yeah, but that's not really controlling the direction. It is. You're, you're controlling the direction because you're saying, I'm going to walk left, I'm going to walk right. And as you start thinking about things, things start appearing. I don't know if that's what it says. I don't acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't acknowledge that that's what that means. Anyway, well, let's let's move on. So, um, oh, so I talked to, um, or I should, I exchanged emails with uh, Jonathan Kresner, the uh, founder of AirPair. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we we're trying to have him on the show. Oh, uh, that's not really a good show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I asked him how things were going. I guess he listened to the show. He was like, hey, thanks for the shout out. And um, um, and uh, I, I said, so how are things going? And he said, um, he said uh, he's, like, he's like, have me on the show and I'll tell you about it. And I was, mm-hmm. like, I was like, hmm, I was like, radical transparency? And he's like, sure, why not? I'm like, all right. If you're willing to share some numbers and, you know, really open up, we'll have you on. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't. I don't like having <coughs> having conversations where you're not getting into specifics. You're not getting the numbers. Mm-hmm. So, but I, plus, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, we were very transparent, 100 percent honest about yeah. any foo, and it would be interesting to find out like what they did differently. I'm sure they learned some things from us about what to do or what not to do. I mean, he took a different tact as we as we've talked about. Rather than going heavy into technology and building that platform out, they just you know bubblegum and toothpicks and 
and did everything manually and worked on the demand side as opposed to the supply side. And, um, and they, they were a uh, YC company too. So they, you know, they were able to, do, you know, get some funding, but, um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how it's going. I mean, um, we're, uh, I'm going to, I'm doing a session with another, with a titanium expert who was one of the titanium engineers who has a titanium consulting company. I'm going to work with him on uh, hopefully a Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday to get these, this iPhone app into the app store. So I have had two sessions with titanium X. Oh, that's, and that's Mark's app. Right. Yeah. Nice. Right. So, um, <clears throat> I have to say though, I'm pretty damn good at building, uh, you know, iPhone apps, the titanium now, <laughs> you know, I've spent, I have logged a ton of hours and it does. So you should probably be a titanium expert. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's like with everything. It's like, it's the whole 80, 20, kind of thing or whatever it's like i know a lot of the center stuff but i don't know all the nooks and crannies you know where you talk to someone who's like a language expert and they say wow you know if you, this very special light you know keyword in this circumstance like i don't i don't get into the minutiae you know because yeah. I'm, I'm doing too much different too many different things i mean so i as, as a generalist that's just not you know just not how i work so because i do so much i don't have i don't invest the time into getting in the nitty gritty on things with that a specialist would, you know? Yeah. Um, so he's worked on the platform. So he like, so there's thing, the reason I want his, on his help is there's some things that the IDE does that are a little strange and buggy that I'm sure he probably knows workarounds. Okay. Well, oh, okay. Well, if that certificate is not on the keychain and it's not managed by Xcode in a sense, then which is you got to go to this library and delete this file and change this setting and then restart it, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like yeah. the undocumented dark knowledge, you know, I don't work enough with any platform to develop that kind of dark knowledge, you know, um, usually. I mean, you, you usually don't have to do that, you know, unless in, unless in very specific cases. Um, so, but it's, it's, I also have come to the point where, you know, to a certain degree, money is less valued to me than time. Like, I don't want to spend three days dicking around with this, trying to get in the app store. I just want to spend an hour and you're done with it, you know? Whereas, you know, there was a certain point in my life that I would have spent three three days working on it to save two hundred dollars. So, how close are you to getting the App Store now? Well, it's all done now. It's App Store. Like we, he, Mark came here yesterday, and we spent I don't know four more hours on it, and and it worked. You know, you know, I think it was since the um, since the conversation I had about how there was a final punch list of things that we we're going to need to knock out, and that you know, Mark was going to come over and we we're going to work together on every one of them, mm -hmm. you know, and it seemed like it might be just like one session, six, six sessions since then. six, I'm guessing three to f three to probably average four hour, you know, blocks of time where he would come over at my place and we'd spend four hours working on it. Six and then one more. So it's to be seven, you know, that'll be a short one. Hopefully it'll be just like an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours, maybe and a half hour prepping, getting it in. But that's, you know, talking 26 or so hours, 27, probably 25 to 30 hours. Yeah. So 3,000. Well, at a $100 rate. Yeah, I charge 200. Oh, so that's a lot. A lot of time. A lot of time. That's that's after, like, it's all done except for this just few last bucks. <laughs> like, that's how expensive it is. And so the one thing that was interesting when Mark came over and we we're doing this is I explained to him, you know, he's like, oh, can we just fix this one thing? And then it... It leads into all these other things. And I was like, see, this is kind of how software is. I mean, yeah, it's kind of worms. It's just, you know, once you once you cross a certain threshold of complexity, 
any change or addition just has it just has a, a lot of ramifications it can it can spiral you know and it's just you could do things to limit that there are software engineering principles of encapsulation and you know was it loosely coupled highly cohesive and you do all these things to limit that but still you know those are just ways those are just heuristics to to manage the complexity but you never get rid of the complexity completely you know you can yeah. manage it at best and you know, it was one little thing. Can't you just change this one little thing? <laughs> you know, like it's to you, it seems like a 15 minute thing, but it could be five hours. Could be two days. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden, all these other things that were built on certain assumptions or whatever are no longer, the assumptions so, are no longer true and all these things are affected. And now we got to do all this. Do stuff. you think Mark has a new appreciation of software development now? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, you know what happens too is you can have appreci- appreciation for it and then a year or two goes by, we haven't done it. And then you kind of forget. And then you forget how things spiral and then you sit down in the trenches with someone and you're like oh right not just oh i talked to you every couple days to hear about it no you literally sit in a chair next to me and you watch me to bug it and change it and fix it and look up look things up on the web and try other stuff and then you're like oh crap and then it was like you know uh i think it was he was like oh i was like well i'll just fix this thing like whoa whoa don't, don't, don't change it. Don't want to break anything. I was like, I think we're okay. Let me just, you know, uh-huh. like he was getting like, I like everything's good. Like, don't, don't, don't change anything. Cause you know, you like, I just want to refactor this just to clean this up just a little bit. So the app's going to be in the app store. What's the, what is the premise of the app? What's it called? It's a photo sharing app on this very niche topic. It's called the, the name of the app is called God's tweets, yeah. which is that you share pictures of, religious signs like you know how like they'll have these kind of like Reli- signs out front of churches and it'll have like a message on it but is it is change. it ironic some of them are just funny and weird but i mean it's kind it, of kit it's kind it, of like a is the viewpoint of the app an ironic viewpoint or is it like a kumbaya oh we we all think that these signs are really nice i don't really know dude. okay i mean i'm not religious i don't get it okay i mean so Christian, his brother, despite the name being Christian, I don't think either of them are very religious. Yeah. Um, I don't think Mark is religious at all, or, you know, or, or other than just sort of this very sort of vague, you know, sort of, um, how would I call that? It's sort of like a agnostic religiosity. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, there might be something, uh, you know, they don't really <laughs> want to commit to not being, you know, yeah. but they're not really, I mean, I'm not sure where he is on that spectrum, but um you know, he's not going to church, you know, and I don't think Christian and Christian isn't either, but Christian is, um, he's a documentary filmmaker and he always, he always finds these weird niches of the world and then like wants to create uh, a story about it. <clears throat> and the weirder and like this, that it is, or not the weirder, but it's like the more unknown it is and the, and the, and the harder it is almost to find the story, the more it attracts him. Like, is like, I can make this interesting. As yeah. opposed to going, this is an interesting story. If I just tell this straight up, people are going to find it. It's like, people won't think this is interesting, but I'll, I can make this interesting. And I kind of, when I when I heard this idea, I'm like, that's a Christian idea. Pictures right. of, you, you're going to build now. Okay. You know, I had a much broader idea of how to how to take this basic approach and make it a, a, a generally applicable and interesting app. And we'll see if they follow up on that or not. Um, but that's what it is. <clears throat> but it's it's you know there's all the you know taking of photos and uploading them and liking and commenting and sharing and you know looking at people's profiles and seeing what they uploaded and commented and like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah. So did you have to build, you obviously had to build all the back end for that. What, what took more time, the back end or the front end? I guess it's all the titanium uh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, the titanium stuff was way more work than the API. I mean, of course yeah. there's a lot of back and forth, yeah. but it's not hard to write an API that, that just you know, turns, spits out JSON or something. Spits out JSON, logs down, you know, connects things together. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff's easy. It's like, you know, I mean, you and I have both done it a million times. You can cut and paste code and be like, okay, you know. Yeah. Like, you're not reinventing the wheel. I'm not reinventing authentication. not reinventing anything. Um, so it's a nice RESTful API, you know. I mean, there were some tricky things like, you know, hell banning people. Like, how does that, hell banning is painful. Have you ever what, read something hell banning? What no? What's hell banning? Hell banning. Okay, so if someone's a bad participant and they're trolling and, and basically disrupting things, you don't want to ban them because they'll just create a new account and and, and continue to be, act like a jerk. What you want to do is make it so that to them it looks like they're participating, but no one else sees their stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of the hell. That's called hell banned. <clears throat> now, why that's a problem is that so what you do is you know, their comments and their likes and their photos. So the photos don't show up, but their comments and the likes are not, don't count. So you have to do some weird joins and stuff to figure out like, okay, so what are the total number of counts on all these photos, except unless it's hell banned, you know, and then, oh, if you're a hell banned person, you actually see everything fine and your counts are not adjusted or, you know, for, for, for being hell banned. I mean, it's a lot of, it seems like it'd be easy, it's just it just kind of screws everything up and it just makes everything more complicated and you have so many special cases and weird joins and everything and it's just annoying. Hmm. You know that does sound interesting. So that was like the only thing we kind of punted on. I mean, we have flagging. So if you're a moderator, being Mark Christian right now, you could go in and you can flag a photo or a comment, and it's just not. That's so funny that you would put hell banning in there. I mean, that seems crazy to me. Like. An unneeded, you know, feature that seems hell banning on a on a, on a religious app. No, no, no. But I mean, it's <laughs> an app with no users. I mean, an app with no users that hasn't been released, and then you're putting in this. That seems like over optimization. I mean, like wait, premature, wait, premature wait, scaling. Wait till there's some users who are acting. Yeah, who are acting badly. like dicks before you before you add that functionality. I, I that's what I said. I said I I just I said look, this is this is breaking things. It's this constant. It just takes time to get this sorted out. Honestly, I think flagging will solve most of your problem. I just don't think that. Oh, because is, are they thinking like a lot of like people will post nude pictures, a lot of that kind of stuff. Something like that. You get someone other acting like a jerk and you're just like, I don't want to keep flagging everything they're doing. I just want to hell ban them. Yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of um, a lot of apps coming out where you're like, it's connecting people in a local neighborhood around a certain purpose. Like, I don't know, coffee lovers. Like you open up your app, like, and anyone, anyone else who opens up the app, you can see all the coffee lovers who are in, who are within, you know, five mile radius. Those, and I'm thinking. That's a pretty big group. (laughs) That's like all the people who like sunlight. Like, uh, I don't really think you have a whole lot in common with these people, right? But it's, it's, it's a weird, I mean, I, 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 it seems to be working for some people. Like there was that, there was that one school, uh, it's it's I've because of Digidoo I'm hearing about this like it's it's getting quite disruptive in schools like with bullying and things like that. So like everyone's opening it. I can't remember the name of the app, but all the kids are like opening this anonymous app where they're all basically bullying the hell out of each other. Secret, maybe a secret. And and it's mm. it's like, but you know how normally the popular kids are like the ones who aren't really affected. 
like everyone's affected with these apps because it's just completely anonymous and everyone's well, that's what happens on the web you know people people like we call the internet tough guys they'll yeah. say things like you would not say that to my face right right, right. you're saying that because i don't know who you are mm-hmm. and you're not sitting in front of me you know and 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 not just because like i would physically attack you but i would i would give you i would give it back at least as much as you're given so it's like and people don't want that and that's why people don't do that to other people in, in their face because because people can attack you just like you're attacking them and they're yeah. like oh but if you have no skin in the game like oh i can just attack people and and i don't have and I, don't, I don't i don't receive any damage from that people do it it's no cost and that's that's the that's the one problem when you have all the anonymous things like that people you know and i, I but you know at the same time i do understand why you know anonymity is is important in certain in certain instances but it, in a lot of instances it just allows people to act like jerks because they can get away with it but these apps are literally closing schools down like a school closed down for two days because really? it was just too disruptive there was just too much stuff going on until they could get it under control and they spoke to the people who who made the app and said look you have to make it not work within this geo geofences yeah yeah and so they did that really yeah you don't know the app's name no i'll i'll, I'll research it i'll find it i'll find it and get it for you for the show notes interesting um doesn't surprise me i mean you know kids can be cruel yeah and when it's anonymous and a lot of tit for tat going back and forth and team bullying and teaming up with people and oh it's they're they're just saying things like this girl has has screwed every 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 one of these kids yeah yeah you know this she's fat she's a slut he's this or that guy's a you know cheated on this test or this guy no but they're they're also like it's also about the principle it's about sure. the teachers yeah, like well, yeah, everyone is in it get away with it because there's no everyone's so in just, it yeah that's the problem i mean that's one of the biggest one of the most important rules in life is you want people to have skin in the game mm-hmm. people who have skin in the game then it changes their behavior completely and that's what happens in the financial markets when you have like you know when you have you know big banks and stuff that can like take risk without taking the you take reward without taking the risk or you have wars where like you can go and attack countries and you can't get attacked back and so yeah let's go attack a war with drugs i noticed it's similar with the texting summit because when we had first brought it up about 20 people said they were coming mm-hmm. but then when there was money involved yeah it's it was easy to people. yeah we'll see i mean maybe a lot of people are just getting around to it. maybe they don't yeah. have 250 they're like oh you know next month i'll have some free cash right, or right. whatever but you know it's right it's like skin in the game is like a, <laughs> just a, such a important principle and you can you can apply it to so many things in life people yeah, but um, I got an interesting topic. It was a great story. This, this, we should make this one the last one. Because right. right. we've done, we've done uh, two hours. Okay. Um, so let's see if I can find the. Uh, that's too bad because I got a couple things. But um, all right. Well, if you want to keep on. Let's see. It was called the title of some business week. It was called "Nobody Cares How Awesome You Are at Your Job," and. Let me see if I can get this. I haven't looked in a week, but basically the principle was if I promise you I'm going to do something and if I break the promise or I come through short, you're going to be mad. Just like as if it was a contract. Okay. Mm -hmm. You representing most people. If I deliver exactly what I said I was going to do, you're going to be happy. If I go above and beyond and doing a lot more than I promise, you're not going to be any happier than if I just delivered. But if I don't promise, if I don't really promise you I'm doing something, and then I over I come up with something unexpected, then you're going to be extremely happy. Hmm. So the, the the deal is, if if you just say you're going to do something, like don't don't bother doing a whole bunch more because they're just not going to care. 
in the end of the day, they're just, it's just going to them. It's yeah. I thought it was an interesting thing, right? Like, so don't go, I did all this extra stuff. People are like, Oh, great. So, which I think, but what was the one, what was the one that made them very happy? You don't promise. You you didn't promise us something. You You didn't didn't promise anything. I'm not making promises. I don't, I don't know. You know, but then you come through and you kind of surprise them. You do something really special. Then they're like, wow, that was amazing. You're so awesome. Thanks so much. But if it's like, you make a promise, I'm going to do this for you. You know, I'm going to do X and then you go out and do X plus Y. They don't care about the plus Y. I don't know. I don't know if that applies to software development because like sometimes when people come back with, if I give something to a developer and then they start thinking about other interactions and other UI stuff and Mm. just, they just make it better then that, you know, and that makes me very happy because I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't have to do that extra thinking and go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll put a link to the story. You can read it. Tell me what you think if it's, uh, if it holds water. It was in business week. Um, you know, I can't remember. I said I read it like a week ago, so I can't really remember hmm. what what all there was to it. But um, well, if they're all going to be that short, you can do a few. Oh, can I? Okay. Yeah, go on. Um, uh, oh, I guess I didn't, we didn't really talk about this, but you know, Uber finally announced their one point their their money raise. Do you see that? You said it was going to be five hundred million, and they they actually got one point two billion raised. And they said they said it was one point two and one or one point four for strategic. I don't know. So basically, it was going to be total one point four billion dollars to raising. That's just unbelievable. For at a seventeen billion dollar valuation, that seems just astounding and amazing. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it was funny that somebody sent me a, a a a screenshot of some app, and it was like a story of this. It says Uber's worth eighteen uh, eighteen billion. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? You know, um, but again, it's one of those things like. If you haven't seen the internal numbers like I have, you might think, oh, it's like one it, of these sort of it's vapor, yeah. hype, bubble, but y- it's not. It's, you haven't seen the numbers, dude. It's, it's really. I've seen the numbers. I know what the revenue is. I know what the growth rate is. I'm telling you. It's, I, I because when they first started coming out, they hit, the, when I first saw this estimate of 10 billion, like, valuation, like, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I turned to say, I'm like, that's, that's, that's too low. That's not, that's not it. That's wrong. I was like, because it was worth 3.7 in, in August. And I can tell you the multi- the, how many multiples we've grown. I'm telling you that's wrong. I said, it's going to be 12. I'm like, that's still too low. 15. I'm like, eh, maybe. 17. I'm like, no, nah, okay. That sounds, a, and I was like, in the month, that's about right. You know? So, but the thing is that I think it's a good lesson in life though. It's like when you're on the outside and you really don't dig into stories, you don't really know what's going on. And you're just reading what different um, pundits and people are pontificating. Like the guy who, the Bitcoin, $10 Bitcoin guy. Right. Oh, that's what we're going to talk about. Exactly. You don't know what you're talking about. And so you have to be careful. I mean, it's fine. If you got no skin in the game, then by all means, say, you know, joke about it and whatever. But if you're going to put your money in something, you better damn know what you're talking about. Well, because some people think they know. Like, for example, the guy who said, oh, Bitcoin's going to be less than $10. Was that that Boston University uh, professor? Like, he thought that he had skin in the game because he's like economics. I've been studying economics my whole life. I know about economics. Well, he did have skin in the game because, uh, well, no, that's different. There's knowing, he, he thought he knew what was going on. The skin in the game is, do you lose anything if you're wrong? He did lose some credibility. He lost oh, yeah. base. Big, big credibility. You know, yeah. But he had skin in the game in that bet. And, and he lost he the, like he lost, he lost the $10,000 virtual bet with me. The, <laughs> the, the $10,000 virtual one-sided bet with me. <laughs> so what was that? I can't remember when. Was it was like a December or January. Right. And I said, I bet him $10,000 that he's absolutely completely wrong. I win. Yay! He couldn't be more wrong. I mean, basically, 
that there was there was a time when it was going down and it was heading down to the, the to the three hundreds and it it got to the three hundreds like and then and then people were going and then it looked like oh maybe he's right maybe it's going down and then all of a sudden no no no, no now it's going back up 600, 700. No, it's because of Mount Gox right implosion. Yeah, so yeah, you know, um, so there's a couple things about that. Um, I mean, first of all, you know. First of all, that falls under the in accordance with the prophecy, <laughs> in accordance with the prophecy. But I, I wouldn't give myself a whole lot of credit for that one because I don't think I went on a huge limb there. I think there's a lot of our listeners were like going like, yeah, I mean, I think you should really get credit when you're when you're a contrarian, when you're going against the crowd. Yeah. If you're like pretty much with everybody else, you're like, that guy's an idiot. You know, <laughs> like it, you don't really uh, get a whole lot of credit for that. But because um, I, I don't. It's going to be worth ten dollars. I mean, come on. The. um the other thing is a lot of a lot of people bet for or against things not for rational so much rational reasons is for emotional reasons they don't like something it aesthetically or politically it yeah. upsets them and like there's a lot of people who bet against Tesla who because they didn't they associate Tesla's and electric cars with sort of green party left-wing type of people and they're not left-wing like i don't like those people i don't like you know the the wet the left coast you know whatever i'm i'm a, I'm, a, I'm not one of those kind of people i don't like them and you know and so they like and tesla to them is sort of represent there's some association with that and so they don't like it and so they're betting against it and then there are people who are make money off or have a lot vested in the automotive automotive oil whatever transportation regime which case they are obviously not going to want to work and they're going to bet against it and and you see the examples of this i'm just picking tesla out of you know as an example um and you always want to bet against people who are betting against things for emotional reasons and not for like hard cold eye you know rational reasons they're like they can't they make a real good case they just they could tell they're getting emotional about it in a way and you always have to be careful i mean like we all get emotional about things and you know i mean i have to i fight it as well I'm always like am i just getting emotional about this is it just i just like it do i believe this make money or is it just that i i want it to succeed because i think it it should succeed i think it should do well like i like do i like bitcoin because i like what it stands for or do i just think it's going to work do i feel like how about tesla you know this code Mill Valley Cult, is it emotional or is it rational? And um, not that you can have to totally discount emotion because emotion is sort of representation of your gut with, you know, of sort of like these sort of comp- somewhat unformed um, uh, ideas that do have some weight. You know, you meet someone and you're like, you know, I just have a weird person feeling about that person. <laughs> you're emo- you have an emotional reaction. You're like, I can't quite put it together, but I don't trust that person. And a lot of times your gut can be right. You know, I mean, you, you, you don't have to totally discount it, but you have to like be a little introspective and go, okay, uh, you know, you have to really think through it. But this, this, a lot of, a lot of economists who are, uh, I guess I always say this kind of Keynesian or Keynesian who are very much bought into the central banking system and regime. Um, and, and most economists are very much of that. Most mainstream economists are very much bought into that system. And the idea of something disrupting that, they don't like. Now, they may also think for other reasons that it's not going to work for X, Y, and Z reasons, but there, that is that emotional thing about that. That is challenging the regime that I'm bought into that 
it's like it supports what I do, the the economics part departments, the the the, the it's just their well. worldview. It just goes against their worldview, basically. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of I've noticed that so Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies appeal in part to people who are libertarian minded, and they are anathema to people who are more um what's the word i would call like um they more believe in the state and so i know people who are particularly more like um i don't want to say like more left-wing ish more believe in like look everybody's got to pay our taxes we all gotta put our money into the system and if we get money into the system and then we can have better health care we have better education and like they believe in the government distributing out equally these resources in a way that makes life better for everybody Okay, that's and there's a huge spectrum of how far that should go and everywhere from either being, you know, sort of like a center left Democrat all the way to, you know, sort of a very strong leaning socialist and whole range. But, you know, people who are more on that side, they don't like it because for they look at it, they go, look, at all these jackasses who want to pay their taxes. Right. I mean, that pisses them off. They Mm -hmm. feel like it's a bunch of libertarian assholes who are trying to figure out how they can like move their money around and not pay taxes, which need to go into, you know, education and the, you know, EPA and the FCC and the this and the that, and all these things that I believe uh, are needed to make a, our country work well. You know, so you can see that point of view, right? I mean, it's from their perspective, that's a very reasonable, and that, I mean, that is a reasonable way to looking at it. Well, I don't think that that's Bitcoin because Bitcoin's quite, quite traceable. That, that there's a, a new um, cryptocurrency coming up called Darkcoin. Yeah, where where you it's really untraceable, and I think that one is is gonna in fact legitimize Bitcoin in many ways. Right. Well, so despite you're right, despite the fact that Bitcoin, I, I would say it's completely, I, I would say it's an, uh, completely anonymous, but I wouldn't say it's completely traceable. It's somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah. But the market, the hype that it's received, or the 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 publicity it's received has much more been around nobody knows who owns what and where it's going, mm-hmm. right? So people who, um, especially like uh, pundits in the media, re- reference it or talk about it as if it's completely anonymous. And so if they have, if their political bent is more left, they're going to think of it as a challenge to, you know, our system of taxation and blah, blah, blah. So you can see why they would not like it. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Well, you can see why libertarians would like it because... Like, I don't believe in all this statism and all this huge centralized government and taking all our money and, you know, redistributing. Like, they don't like it. So they're being emotional, too. Mm-hmm. Right? So the question is, but really, I think what you have to look at is if you're betting on it. I mean, emotion, although not saying that emotions don't drive behavior and ultimately drive where things end up. But it's the, um, it's looking at as a technology, as a, as a more efficient way for people to move money around. And if you look at it that way, and that's kind of the way I've been trying to look at it, is like it's easier to pay someone with Bitcoin across the world than move it through banks and all this kind of stuff. Cheaper, faster, simpler, better wins. I'm just looking at it and from the viewpoint of it's it's a scarce resource, it's a scarcity, and it will become more valuable over time. As long as it as long as the whole thing doesn't crash, it's just going to become more valuable because there is a limited number. That's a good point. I mean, that would be the other side of it, right? So it has a technology. So, so if it if it is not a better technology, then it will ultimately lose value. But if people say, "Well, it is useful enough for people to use it, so it'll stay around, so more people use it," 
then therefore, because it's a limited resource, it will become more valuable. It will become more valuable, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my bet. I think overall, I don't think Bitcoin's going to work. But like I said before, I've said a number of times on the show, it could be supplanted by another cryptocurrency. This could, I mean, it's still early it days. Could. It could be the Friendster, Friendster but I of d- MySpace, of social networks, of, of the of cryptocurrencies. The, the new one that came out would have to do a pretty good job. I mean, it's so well, like if you look around, it's just, it's very well ingrained. Like it's, it, it's deep. It's, it's MySpace got, was too. It's got deep roots. No, it's true. MySpace was it's too. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, MySpace was like, you know, everybody was just on it. And I mean, it never became as big as, is um, Facebook. But at that time, if you had talked about MySpace being supplanted by something else, you'd be like, ah, oh, there's so much momentum and so many people and, why, you know, you can whatever. So, And it's true because if you think about it, Facebook really solved the problem. MySpace didn't really solve the problem. And, well, and the problem is of like, you know, connecting with family members and people that you know about stuff that you do. Whereas MySpace wasn't really about that. It was, it was a little different, yeah. So... You know, I mean, you're right. I think it's kind of could go either way in my book. It could, it could be the, it could be the one, the currency that just wins. It was the first, and it was like Amazon. Amazon was the first to sell books, and they're going to be the last to sell books, and at least in our generation, probably mm-hmm. right online, and they become something much bigger. Um, so, are they Amazon? Or are they MySpace? Um, I think it. So, what I think, I think. Um, it's early. To, it's still early to tell. I still think it's like I said. I've, it's worth putting some money into. It might be worth putting money into one of those alternative currencies really early on that show maybe yeah. some more. Basically, every features. time you see a new currency come out, if you're following it, you know, buy a, a thousand of them. Well, I wouldn't. I would look at it closely because some of them are just ripoffs of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Like my buddy Dom, who's a crypto trader. You need to go him and he'll just tell you all the ins and outs of every single one. And not only that, but who's trading it and why they're trading it and what's gone. And like, talk to him and he'll be like, okay, this is essentially just Bitcoin, but this. So those, those the, the Bitcoin clones are just, they're, they're flash in the pan things that go away. Something that really adds some powerful new feature that really um, is useful to people and people care about. Then you might want to consider, like, eh, you know, I'll put a little, but uh, put a little bit of my Bitcoin earnings into that because those things are so cheap. Sometimes they're hunting, hunt, you know, millions of a Bitcoin. It's like I'll buy ten thousand of those for I'll spend thirty bucks on this or fifty bucks on that because then because sometimes when these things go up, they don't go up like twenty percent. They go up like fifty x. Yeah, so <laughs> you could make a lot of money if you pick one right. Mm. You could do what you're saying, which is like anytime this thing comes out that's not a total joke, I put some money into. So five times I'm wrong, but on the sixth one, I 20x. That's a good bet. That's what I call the asymmetric bet. That's what you're looking for. You give me the signal. Well, George is back, and I know that we, we are destined to go shopping for baby stuff. Oh, uh, okay. So well, I don't, know, I don't know how much I can... So I, should, I, can't, I can't fight the system. Pretty much. All right, let me see. I think that's it for my... Uh, you know, I had one more... Um, well, you know, let me just bring this one last one up. Can I bring right, this last sure. one up? So my buddy Don, who, um, he is um, back in Chicago, and he uh, he's approached by a guy who's doing like a some kind of a social networking app. And um, he was asking me, he's like, look, you know, should I, how what should I build it in? You know, there's going to be, need to be an iPhone, an Android app, and of course there needs to be a back end. And, you know, I, I've, I've been talking to, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Ben, who's the CTO of a company called Market X, um, which I had done some work for. Um, he's like, he's telling me, no, it is great for this. And should I do blah, blah, blah. And, and 
he's like, you know, I read about Xamarin, which is allows you to build iPhone and Android apps like Titanium, but you use .NET. C- oh, .NET, yeah. That's C Sharp .NET, yeah. right? Yeah. He's a .NET expert. He's been programming in .NET for the last 10 years or 12 years nonstop. And I was like, you know what I would do? I would use EC2, get an EC2 instance, you can put, you know, run a Windows 7 server or whatever, write a .NET backend. They, they have, I mean, Guyon has done that recently, and he's like, their, their ability to build these kind of rail node-like you know, API services is fantastic. It's beautiful. And if you like .NET, and I've used .NET, I like .NET. You know, I think dot near C sharp. I mean, it's you know like Java, and you know it's fine, um, and uh, it's really nice ID. So you can build that stuff out really easily, and it'd be really you know have all the features and all the things you want. And you can put it on EC two, which means you can turn it on or off. So when you're in development, you don't have to like reserve a server and pay for it. You just turn it on when you're testing and building, and then turn it off. So it's going to cost you nothing. And of course, when it's EC two, then of course you can do all the load balancing and all the cloud data. But you can do all that crap, anything you want. It's all there. And and then Xamarin, you can build an iPhone and Android app with that net. Yeah, that's the way to do. That's you know, definitely the way I to mean, go. and I and I said I just talked to Guyon who's been playing around with it, and he loves it. He's like yeah. really good, you know. And I and I said my experience with Titanium is, if it's anything like Titanium, there will be instances where you're a little frustrated, but aside from that, it's uh, it's it's like. We can increase your productivity times 10. So there's no way that you're going to build an iPhone app and an Android app from scratch, not knowing Java and the Android SDK, a much less iOS and Objective-C. This is not going to happen. I said, but if you do Xamarin, you alone could put together the API and build an app for both of them by yourself. And for a brand new venture, I said, I would, do, I would just build like a Hello World app that hits the API and build it out and then just iterate and you can just get this thing going by yourself. Yeah, that's good advice. You know, it was, it was interesting though because he was just like, oh, thank God. He's like that. He's, he's like, people were, I was getting really nervous because everyone's talking about Node and I go learn all this Node and I'm like, dude, I've done a ton of Node. I love Node. But it's a learning curve. It's a lot different uh, with all the callbacks and everything than, than uh, what you're used to in .NET. And you don't need to do it. No. You know, for this kind of stuff, there's only special instances where you need it, but you can even do a lot of that stuff with .NET now. Cause it's not like PHP where it's like one page and then it goes away and there's nothing in memory. You have to hit the database. I mean, you can leave a long, a, a, you know, long running process. Mm-hmm. So you can do all that stuff that Node can with like real time streaming stuff. And, uh, but the one thing that was funny, so he, first of all, he was really happy to hear, really relieved, you know, because he heard conflicting advice and he's like, oh God, like I have to learn all these languages and all stuff. I'm like, it's hard enough just getting something going. You're going to learn a whole new language and new framework. I was like, screw all that stuff. Just use the tool you know, and you're lucky now that be, a year ago, this might not have been the case. But now in 2014, like you, you can build the apps, cross-platform app and the back end. But the other thing, uh, is that what well, thing was funny about it is that um, the guy who who's the founder who wants him to come in and do do this with him, he's like wants to raise money, so he's like, well, you know, I, I want to get like a one or two like app developers and then one or two backend guys because it'd be easy to raise money. So it's kind of funny, like I'm like he could do a lot of this alone, at least the first version. And I was recommending he, that he do that. I said, if you build a backend and the front, you're going to have complete understanding of the whole system. Get your arms all around the problem. And I said, you can come in later and you can have people who only focus on one part of it and then they can like, you know, do whatever. But, but it was like funny. He's like, yeah, he's like, he wants to, for purely money raising 
money raising instances, he wants to get a team which costs more, which means that then therefore it seems more like a, a real effort, which means like you need to raise more money, <laughs> you know? And, you know, I guess to some investors, you know, because a lot of investors are all about the team, you know, what's the team, hmm. you know, and a lot about the team is having a bunch of developers. <coughs> but even though if it's, it's going to be four or five times as expensive and probably in some ways less efficient because nobody really understands the whole system starting from scratch and everybody's lots of meetings and conversations and diagrams and bullshit as opposed to someone just sitting down and just kind of doing it. And it will, it'll be slower to get up and going. Yeah, because when, when you've got one person thinking about it, I, I do find that like original phase, if it's just one guy prototyping, it's just much faster. Absolutely. That's what yeah. I say. Get one person prototype the damn thing. Yeah. You know, spend two to three months, get your arms around it, get all these things in place. Then you can really kind of see what it is going to be a little bit. And if you want to bring kind of work people in, but you know, all that time hiring people and vetting them and negotiating with them and getting them up to speed and getting them going and everything it's, about it slows it down it slows it down. i wrote a blog post about it called end speed um talking about like new feature the speed of new features mm -hmm. and like i think the maximum end speed is one when you have like one developer one one guy prototyping and and that the reason why that's faster is because there's absolutely no one else involved so as soon as even then you start getting some customers involved let's say you've got one customer involved well end speed can't be one anymore because now you you need to a portion of your time needs to deal with their feedback, dealing with bugs, all that kind of stuff. And the cost of context switching. The friction yeah, context. Of it, the so mental it, friction. It just kind of goes slower and slower and slower. The more, and it, I mean, I think it goes down to like, I don't know, a 20th the pace once you start being in a proper, you know, like our Digidoo situation, for example. It's slower than when you were just cranking it out by yourself. Oh, yeah. I think it's like, you know, it, we're, we're at 20% efficiency compared to that because there's so much stuff that has to be done, you know, like deployment. I mean, just deploying stuff because it goes to so many different servers, so many different types, node workers, all this kind of stuff, you know. Right. You know. <laughs> you have a, do you have an update on Digidoo, by the way? Uh, no, we're pretty much in the same same place who were. I mean, uh, we we've been working, I've been working with Alex um, deeply on that that no no DB. Right. Your no DB. <laughs> the no DB thing, and it's 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 coming together really really nicely. It's going to be so so slick. Yeah. yeah much more resilient it's been very resilient very robust every, we're always thinking with every piece that we write we're thinking okay power failure how, how will this handle power failure and uh did you practice that like just pulling it out you know, <laughs> well we're, we're going to get to that we're going to get to that but just right now it's it's mainly about keeping everything in single files you know so just trying any any save because you you it's very it's really tempting to do composite files mm -hmm. right to say, okay, we, you know, we're going to have a list of st students or something. Let's save it into a composite file with an array. And there are some places where we've gone, okay, we're just this is really going to have to be a composite file. But as as much as possible, we're keeping it in individual atomic, files. Atomic, yeah. yeah, atomic. Yeah. So the composite files, because if you lose, if one thing screws up, you lose it for everybody. Exactly, exactly. More risk. You lose the list. You lose the list. I mean, it's but just, it's, but it's really difficult to do something like ordering. You know, just based on the file system, it's possible, but it's just kind of hackery. It's just less know? efficient. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, when you have a class of 30 kids, who cares about efficiency at that level? Right. You know, I mean, so you're in a situation where it's more about resilience than it is about efficiency. If you had 100,000 people, you're like... Well, but we, we kind of, we're kind of thinking, I mean, we've also, but obviously, you know, using obviously file locking and things like that. So it should be pretty resilient in its own right, just based on the fact that one atomic file is locked. And there's, there's 
two situations where we've said, okay, we're going to list all students in one file, you know, because at least with with file locking, it's just going to make it, it without that. Like, there's so there's a lot, a lot of functionality that's going to be difficult, like you know, collating things. You know, it's just going to be too hard. So, yeah. right. But most of it's atomic. It's going to be good. Cool. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. So that's it. I guess we gotta we gotta shut this thing down, right? <laughs> Georgie's uh, going to come over and grab you by the ear and pull you out the door in a minute. Yep. Any minute now. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. Nice. Nice.